It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Recorded live. Bill?
Hello? Bill?
Hey, Bill. Oh, aha. <laughs> I figured it out. <laughs> I was muting myself somehow. So we had Dan. Dan can't hear me for some reason. Okay, so we'll have Dan back in a second. So I had accidentally muted myself. So I was just sort of running off, you know, obviously the Nanny Woodheads and the Kurt Warners and Dominique Rogers Comartis and Jerry Evans and you know, recently retired guys like, uh, you know, Marcus Colston. I think he's uh, Marcus Colston. And, uh, you know, we just had, you know, a Division Three lineman and Allie Marpet. The first, I think the first Division Three offensive lineman drafted in the common draft era since the AFL-NFL uh, merger. There's certainly a need for talent, and that talent can theoretically at least come from anywhere. But that being said, it is still much harder. And like I said, people like to say if they can, if you can play, they'll find you. And that is to some extent true, but it, it is much harder. Uh, to gain the attention of NFL scouts if you're playing NAIA Division II. It's still a challenge if you're playing FCS. The, the exception being if you're a person, like I said, like Noah Spence, who grabs the attention of scouts. And I see that Dan McNeil back. Sorry about that, Dan. I had somehow muted myself. So I was oh, just no, going on and no. on. And I could, I was saying I could hear you, but you couldn't hear me. And now I know why you couldn't hear me. I should have, should have thought of that right away. <laughs> no problem. I thought I thought there was something wrong in my end. I, no, oh, no, yeah. you were perfect. I heard you fine. I was like, hmm, I wonder why you can't hear me. Now I figured it out. I muted myself. Uh, so, Dan, you have been representing players, primarily players from smaller schools for the last few years. About, first of all, how did you get started doing this? And tell me about some of your greatest uh, pleasures, I guess, and some of your greatest pains in, in the work that you do. Um, well, uh, it's, it's kind of kind of weird. I, I I had come from a basketball background, so um, but football's always kind of been my first love, um, and so I uh, I was originally enlisted guy in the army and and had a degree at the time, and then uh, wife wasn't too keen on uh, moving all the time, so decided oh, I'll get out and get a law degree. Well, while I was in law school, I quickly realized that, you know, I don't know if I'm going to enjoy going to court all the time. So what what can I do with this law degree that I'm going to enjoy? So uh, then the thought occurred to me that, well, you know what, I'll, I'll represent players. I'll, I'll do Jerry Maguire stuff. I'm here, I, I live here in Texas, and, you know, uh, um, I'm actually in the San Antonio area, and most of the agents in Texas are located in Dallas and Houston Dallas. or Right. Where uh, where most of the players actually come from from the state of Texas, so you know it makes sense that they're there. However, uh, I thought there was a unique opportunity to, to uh, reach out to the players that were from San Antonio, and su- surprisingly enough, there actually is 
quite a bit of guys from San Antonio or have a San Antonio I was gonna connection. Say, quarterbacks alone, I can think of three guys who are starting big-time programs from the San Antonio area without thinking hard. There might be more, but three just popped out popped up right away in my head. So, oh yeah, good good football played in San Antonio. There is, and and, and it's actually gotten better as as a few years have gone by. And and, and to be honest, after uh, Katrina, there there was a large amount of kids came from the New Orleans area settled settled in San Antonio. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I figured, Hey, there's only one other agent that's, that's located here in San Antonio. And so, uh, here's a unique opportunity to kind of get in and on the ground floor. So, um, in, uh, 2005, well, I graduated law school in 2004. So I had put in my application to the NFL Players Association to take the test and was all set to take it, um, it would have been, um, I guess, uh, I'm trying to think here. It would have been uh, summer of 2005. Well, fortunately, I got sidetracked. I got recalled into the army and spent <laughs> a year in Iraq um, before oh. I could before I could take my test. But luckily, uh, you know, I called the player association and you know, I said, hey, you know, um, I'm not going to be around this summer. Unfortunately, <laughs> can I do it when I get back? And and they were kind enough to oblige and said, yeah, I can just come back. So it actually gave me a, a, a little bit more time to study because they had sent me the CBA and all the questions. So in my off time when I wasn't doing anything and there wasn't much off time, but in my off time there there actually wasn't much to do either. It was before the Internet had really exploded. Uh, I could sit in my uh, tent and just read the CBA and all the questions and so uh basically came back in um in uh, 06 and uh and was able to take the test and and uh so from about that time I I, I now, now were you were you were you in the JAG were you a, a, in the judge advocate general corps or what, what no, were you doing No 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 I was uh <laughs> I was an enlisted guy it was a big joke you know I was a staff sergeant and they're like hey we got a staff sergeant attorney here Yeah <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and, uh, you know, um, no, I was in, um, well, uh, originally when I got in the Army, I was trained in Arabic. So, so far to going to law school, I was fluent in Arabic and uh, actually um, went to law school in uh, August of 2001. Well, obviously, September 2001 occurred. And at that time, you know, I still was great. I could speak Arabic, read Arabic, um, and uh, actually volunteered to say, hey, I heard you, you guys need Arabic speakers. I'm willing to come back. You know, this is kind of a national emergency. Well, typical Army, you know, they wait three years to actually recall me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, and, and then they decide, well, we no need to put you What's that? No good deed goes unpunished. No, I know. Well, it was. Uh, I won't get into the chaotic aspect of being a of what we call the IRR call up, but it was. Uh, I completely learned that. I mean, they, they to this day they probably don't even know I served. I mean, my medical records were in a Manila folder. Uh, I mean, I've tried to get disability for turning my ankle on a jump during training, and and uh, you know, oh, it doesn't exist, you know, and it's like what. Well, you know, um, there were several of us had our because uh, my eight year, my initial eight year enlistment ended while I was deployed. So they stopped my payment and other guys' payment. So I got, I got emails from reserve units in Bahrain saying, "Hey, we see you're over here." And I'm like, "I'm not a, a you know contractor. I wish I was. I'd be making 
two hundred thousand, but no, I'm gonna say yeah, regular Joe, man. <laughs> but it was, it was. But when I got when I got called back up, they actually called me into what's called civil affairs, uh, where yeah. you know we yeah. we fell under special operations, and we were the ones that quote unquote to win the hearts and minds. Although, hearts and minds, yeah. Although they ex- tried to extend it to the entire army, which was a disaster. Um, it just, um, you know, from my perspective, it just became a an opportunity Look, for a guard, for, right? A guard dog and an attack dog are two different kinds of dogs. I, I learned yeah. that back in my military career many years ago. Oh yeah, it, it was. Uh, I mean, there was stuff where they would give. I, I can't remember. I, I don't know offhand how much they cash they gave brigade commanders, but they gave them civil affairs money to build, oh, you know, geez. do different projects. And so yeah. the joke became where they'd throw up water towers where there was no water pipes bringing any water to the water tower. There's a big water tower there, but they would ride it on their, you know, OERs to, you know, go from colonel to trying to get general, you know, and it was like, okay, this is a, just a big Look political war. Yeah. yeah. Or, or uh, the one I remember is uh, one one brigade commander was swore that we're going to put a bridge here, and then all the engineers told them, you know, hey, it's going to get washed out as soon as the big rain comes. And uh, now he put the bridge there, and what first rain came, it was washed away. <laughs> but it didn't, you know, didn't matter to him. He put it on his OER. He was there for you know a year, and and uh, upped and left. And you know, the Pentagon, I don't, you know, maybe, you know, because it's accomplishment, he got his, you know, his star. <laughs> but oh, anyhow, I became very, uh, uh, you know. Hey, what the heck's going on here? This is all about everyone getting promoted <laughs> at the higher levels here. <laughs> uh, but uh, but anyhow, uh, was over there and was able to study that. Came back in '06, and um, and uh, I guess uh, my experience over there kind of jaded how I feel about things now. But um, <laughs> you know, uh, passed the passed the test with the NFL PA, and and um, you know, was on my way, and and and. And, and the way they kind of do that is kind of a scam too, because I'm sure you're aware they give you three years now, um, yeah. a, a new agent of, of getting a player on, um, or just a contract basically. Right. Uh, but they hamper you, the new guys. I mean, like the people that just took the test in July. You don't find out until now that you passed the test. Well, you're <laughs> you're behind the eight ball and trying to contact you are. guys. <laughs> yeah, you are. So you, ba- so you basically really. <laughs> kind of lose a year, you know? So, um, so anyways, uh, and then of course they've put all these other laws in place that hamstring new guys and, and girls, um, um, in, in trying to accomplish this. So first year, uh, you know, um, gosh, it, it actually wasn't too bad in 06 because, uh, a lot of the schools would publish actually kids, um, email addresses. <laughs> so yeah. all you had yeah. to do is really go on and look for a directory at the school. And now they've, they've now they determine there's a privacy issue there, um, but yeah, you could just send an email to whoever back in '06. Hey man, you know I'm an agent, I'd like to talk to you. So uh, you know, I went out, out and about trying to get different kids, and and then quickly learned that um, you know I registered with each each college and quickly learned that hey, you know, um, unless your pockets are really deep, some of these bigger school kids are are unattainable. <laughs> Yeah. Um, it's just yeah. just how the and I want to say at that time, uh, CAA had just gotten into the business of maybe that year or a couple of years before you know flipping Tom Condon and and um, two thousand 
five, right? It was probably the year yeah. before, I think, that they got. Yeah. yeah, and they hit yeah. they hit with the force of us. I mean, I, I went to a draft party they threw when they first, you know, stuck their toe in the water, and it was, we'll talk more later, but it was ridiculous. It was like something out of a movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you're, well, in the, in the, in the hard thing is, is when you're talking to the, the kids, you, you try to tell them, and, and I'm only, I'm only in my mid-40s, so, you know, I guess they're not really, uh, they're, I call them kids, but, um, you know, the, you talk to the potential clients, and, and um, you know, I remember Dan, talking Dan, to Dan, a lot of them are kids. <laughs> we yeah. can be honest about yeah. that. Okay. A lot of them okay. are kids. They're big kids, a lot of them. Yeah. A lot of them are kids. They don't, they don't have the ability to see 14 seconds in the future, some of them. There you go, because that's what I was going to say. Is that I, I, you know, you're selling them on, hey, you know, you're going to be a big football star. All these people are going to want to meet you. Yet CAA's telling them, hey, you want to meet Tom Cruise? You want to meet, you know, at that time, Jay-Z or, you know, something like that? And, yes. And they're like, oh, they, yeah, they yeah. They draft party. The draft party I'm discuss, discussing with you, the one I was describing, was thrown at the 4040 Club, which is half-owned by Jay-Z and, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, Kamora, Lee Simmons, Russell Simmons. I mean, who think of, you know, whoever's in New York, basically, and would impress a, a 20, 22, 23-year-old. They were all there, basically. And, whew, I won't get into yeah. women, but women from literally all around the globe, it seems, have been so in. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, like this woman who's like a six-foot-tall model from Singapore is there, who doesn't know mm-hmm. anything about football, but, you know, <laughs> she's there. <laughs> yeah, I don't ask yeah. her about if a guy's a good fit in the 3-4 scheme, she won't be able to answer that question. Yeah, I can I can always remember talking to a kid from uh, University of Texas, and, um, you know, I thought we had a good relationship and everything. And uh, and I had called him up, and and I can't remember if he, uh, which awards thing he was at, but I was uh, going to just see, hey, you want to, you know, um, he hadn't signed yet for whatever reason. It was later, it was after the the bowl games, but um, mm-hmm. just want to see if you want to go to dinner. You know, let's talk a little bit further. I know we kind of had a relationship, and he's like, well, I'm, I'm going to like the Grammys or MTV Awards or something, <laughs> and I'm sitting in the first row, and I'm like, oh, okay. Well, uh, we'll we'll move on to the next guy. <laughs> but um, but that first but that first year, I uh, I uh, I had two. I want to say three clients. Um, first kid was a uh, uh, offensive lineman from um, you know uh, Texas State, and and in that first year, you kind of just take anybody, you know. So. Um, I befriended a trainer here in San Antonio, a guy named Bay Baby Clinton. That um, he was best known for training Priest Holmes from the time Priest was in middle school, and uh, he kind of ridden that horse all the way through. And he still trains here. Um, you know, I don't exclusively send my guys to him, but uh, but he's a friend of mine. And uh, he he contacted me and he said, "Hey, there's a guy from high school I train in." trained um he's an offensive tackle at texas state originally was at arizona really good kid and and all this stuff his uncle's a high school coach so i said okay i'll reach out to him and and then i talked to the kid and quickly realized well this is going to be a hard sell because the kid uh originally was a um tight end at the university of arizona uh and he was there when the whole fiasco with um uh God, when the uproar rose against uh, was it uh, Coach? Um, oh, used to be uh, UT. Uh, yeah, I think like, um, oh, I know what you're talking about. Uh, 
Yeah, like a player strike. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they all walked out. <laughs> yeah, uh, hold on. I think is it? I think it's not um, McKay. No, is it, um, uh, similar name. Um, God, that was, uh, yeah, because he was I mean, a UT. He also was an NFL coach. Right. Um, uh, Mac, was it Makovic? There you go. Makovic. Yes. Who yeah. I also know because I was. When I was a graduate student at University of Illinois, I was a graduate assistant to Lou Tepper, who was his defensive coordinator. Makovic is a very smart football man, but his emotional intelligence, he's not Mr. Warmth. So I'll just leave it at that, but continue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, well, the weird thing is, is this kid, he took the side of the coach. <laughs> and uh, and obviously we know the history of what happened there. They fired the coach, and then yeah. all the players were against him, you know, so – he was kind of – well, and then uh, Bob Stoops' brother came in, and uh, he promptly right. told the kid, um, you're not going to be a tight end. You're going to be a, a, a tackle. And, the, and again, as you were saying, these are kids. <laughs> uh, he didn't think of, hey, you know, I could make more money as a tackle if I went to the NFL. No, he, he took the approach of, no, I'm a tight end, and I want to catch the ball. Um, right. And so – and plus with the all, you know, him having back the prior coach, uh, just after one year wasn't a good situation, so he transferred to Texas State, where um, uh, where uh, Dennis um, Dennis uh, Francione was. I, I think that's how you say his name, Coach Fran. Francione, yes, Coach Francione. Um, yeah, uh, had just taken a job, and they told him, "Yeah, hey, you can play tight end." Well, as soon as he got there, they switched him to tackle. <laughs> yep. And then from that point on, the guy was like in fights with the coaches, and actually got kicked off the team his senior year. So after. I met with the kid. That was my first client. You know, after I met with him, um, I was just like, good Lord, you know, what, what, what is going to happen with this? You know? <laughs> so, um, so, uh, anyhow, uh, I had him and then, um, and then, uh, um, there was a, uh, uh, another kid, uh, from, uh, Texas A&M Commerce that, uh, uh, his dad, you know, I had sent, like I said, I, I contacted all school. I sent him my card. I sent the coach said, hey, I'd, I'd love to represent Steve. He was a defensive back originally from University of Houston, failed out, went to junior college, transferred to Texas A&M, um, was actually played in the uh, one of the first or second Texas First Nation football games. Um, and uh, dad was a retired military guy. Kid was from Colleen, Texas. So, I've, oh, you know, we okay. felt comfortable. We kind of saw eye to eye. And uh, so those were my first two clients. And, uh, you know, I thought, um, you know, uh, Steve, I uh, can't um, just pass me by his last name here, but um, really thought, hey, we have a good shot with him. And um, basically uh, he came to San Antonio, uh, shacked up with some girl, got her pregnant while training, <laughs> Uh, um, he ended up lying to the only one scout did his pro day, and the scout was uh, was actually a coach now again at A and M. But the the scout's mom was the chief of police for Texas A and M Kingsville. I'm sorry, I wasn't saying he was played at Kingsville. Um, uh, but um, mom, uh, this guy played with uh, the trainer Bebe that he was training with, and Bebe he is friends with Daryl Green because he played with Daryl Green. <laughs> Um, and so all of a sudden, you know, he's getting calls from Daryl saying, hey, the NFL's talking bad about this guy. And Daryl kind of looks out for the guys from Kingsville um, that have that have a shot. And uh, and come find out that, um, you know, Steve had missed a couple of games 
in the season due to uh, marijuana. Oh. And uh, and what happened was this: the New Orleans scout came and interviewed him during, you know, his his uh, um, pro day, and he promptly said, uh, "No, never had any problems with drugs or anything like that." And yet, this guy's mom was a chief of police for the school. <laughs> oh. You know, and this was learning stuff for me because, you know, I, I just was thinking, hey, I'm just going to represent these guys. Okay, he told me he got suspended for a couple games. You know, and I didn't really delve into why, you know. Oh. So I was just naive. I think you now know that's a question you have to ask. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think he had given me some roundabout thing like sleeping in or something like that, you know, and missing a bus. Uh, I, I just was like, oh, okay, took his word for it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so those were my first two guys. And, and um, you know, uh, uh, it, it, it went. It didn't go so well for the offensive lineman, you know, because he didn't play and kicked off the team. It was rough. But, um you know, uh, the one thing that I did get to, uh, you get to start learning the different scouts from Texas, and, and one of them that I really started to respect was uh, Mr. Brocado from, uh, he was with the Titans, CO. I don't oh know if he had God, ever the met legend. him. Yes. Yeah. The legend. Yeah. The man who invented the three-cone drill? Yes. Yeah. He, should be, he yeah. should be in the Hall of Fame, quite frankly. Uh, he is, he invented, I mean, together with Steve Belichick and a few others, scouting as we now know it. He's, mm-hmm. Tio Bracado is as important to the NFL as any owner has been in the last 50 years in my mind. And mm-hmm. as important as a lot of players, quite frankly. He's an incredibly important figure in the history of NFL football. And like I said, he and, you know, Bill Belichick's dad, Steve Belichick, maybe a couple of others you could throw in there with him. He's essentially invented scouting the way it's done nowadays. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the sad thing is, because I guess I'll go into where I'm at now in a, in a second, but you know when I got in in '06, there still was quite a bit of older guys still scouts, you know, um, yep. you know, and and the one thing I really respect about CO was every year he would have a small school pro day up in Arlington, yep. UT Arlington. Yep, the last chance pro day up at our, yeah Bobby Reed, with basically on one leg, drove from Houston to it. And despite the fact that he was just a few months off of a blown ACL, out through every other quarterback there, it was, am- it was an amazing thing to see. And Bobby Reed's one of those stories of a guy that, you know, just what if. You know, there's a few guys that I will always wonder what mm-hmm. if he's one of those. But, yeah, mm-hmm. sorry, go ahead. Well, well and, and luckily, you know, that's where I met Mr. Bricado. And, uh, um, you know, he, he uh, allowed my two guys to go up there um, now, <laughs> my lineman, my lineman worked out, but then uh, my defensive back from Kingsville decided, oh, he's too good for that. So he drove up there and ran forty, and I was it. And I told oh. him, Steve, you got to do oh. this, man. I mean, oh. and anyways, gave a you know, and CL would have every team there. You know, he'd have a barbecue afterwards for all the scouts. So I mean, he had every team there. You know, and I'm like, dude, you got. I know you went to the Texas versus Nice game, but but at that time the game was smaller. You know, when it wasn't. It wasn't but it's become the NFLPA game, basically. Um, right. You know, so I was like, Steve, you got to – no, no. And so he gave a bad vibe to the to the scouts. And um, and uh, <laughs> it, uh, it it didn't go well. We'll just say, you know, when the draft came, <laughs> we had a couple teams interested in him. Um, but uh, the draft came and went, didn't have anyone. 
that wanted him. And then uh, uh, I had, uh, you know, at that time the AFL still was paying pretty good money. You know, they hadn't folded yet the original AFL. And right. uh, had the New York Dragons want to bring him in. Uh, they brought him in for three days. Uh, didn't like what they had to see. And then uh, Austin at the time was getting a team. Or they had a team. I can't remember. I guess they had a team. It was like they're the only one year or some of the Austin Wranglers or something like that. So he went up there, and the guy says, you know, hey, you know, the dude's completely out of shape, you know. And so, you know, I just kind of threw my hands up like, oh, man, I invested all this money that I saved <laughs> in Iraq <laughs> on these – on this, the, you know, the offensive tackle, I didn't invest that much money, but – um you know, the other guy, you know, the defensive back, I was really expecting him to, you know, get in the league. He was, you know, six one, long long arms, um, uh, you know, former D1 guy. Uh, but, but it didn't work out. And so we go forward to the next year, and, and, um, and uh, uh, you know, I started reaching out to players, and now you have a little bit of head start. And, God, I try to hit everybody. I, I talked with a, a safety from uh, – Boston College, uh, um, Larry Anam was his name. Um, actually yeah. went to my went to Miami, interviewed him and his dad, you know, and and uh, and, and I learned a mistake from there where kid wanted to uh, kid wanted to stay in school, and I was adamant that he'd go train, and I lost him because I said you got to train, man, you got to train. And his dad was uh, I, I want to say they're Nigerian, and he was like, "No, he's going to graduate." And I said, "Oh, well." Yes, yeah. no school. And, I mean, you you probably know this now. School comes first for those kids. If your parents yes. are from Nigeria, school first. Yeah, <laughs> that's always been it. Um, yeah, unless their grades are where they're supposed to be, their parents don't care if they never touch a football or a baseball or a basketball, whatever sport it is. Yeah, well, I want to say dad was like a dad was like a pharmacist or something like that. I mean, really nice, nice place down in Miami. I, wow, okay. Um, but it, 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 with him, it was kind of weird because I said, I, I, and I tell all the kids, I said, look, you know, I just want to see you succeed. I, I I played basketball at Oak Hill Academy, and six of my friends were lucky enough to play in the NBA, and you know, I wasn't lucky enough to do such things. But now, were you, uh, were you uh, around the Kevin Madden era at Oak Hill? I was at Oak Hill. Um, I I graduated the year before that Jerry Stackhouse and Jeff McGinnis okay. were there, so they really yeah, took off. That. We were we were there. I was there. the The top player we had when I was there was a kid named Anthony Cade, and he was yeah, uh, yeah he it was him and Penny Hardaway. They basically were the same type of player: six ten, six eleven point guards. I mean. I had never seen a six eleven point guard. I was coming down from New Haven, Connecticut at the time, and I was just like, "Wow, I've never seen a dude this tall play point guard." <laughs> <laughs> and I got to guard him, you know. And I'm I'm five ten, you know. <laughs> I mean, but uh, um, but that was we had um, Anthony Cade, uh, Corey Baker was our starting point guard. Uh, I had a guy named Carlos Cofield, ended up University of Rhode Island. Uh, Donnie Jordan was at University of Pitt. Um, that was my original team when I went down there as a junior. Now, my senior year, it flipped. Um, Corey Alexander transferred from Flint Hill to our school because Flint Hill got rid of their their, foot, their basketball program. And he, he basically became our star. And then Junior Burroughs that played at Virginia as well with Corey, um, was there for his senior year, and those were, and then um, I forgot Ben. My actually Ben was my best friend because both of us were there, junior and senior. Ben Davis, 
he played, uh, he kind of did a whirlwind tour in college. He originally um, was at University of Kansas, and then he transferred to Florida. And I don't even think he saw the floor in Florida. And then he did two years in Arizona. And uh, and uh, then he ended up playing like five years in the NBA and actually uh, was originally with the Knicks. I mean, he rode the pine, but uh, um, uh, Jeff Van Gundy loved him. So when Van Gundy went to Houston, he brought Ben with him to ride the pine. <laughs> but, but uh, uh, and a quick story with that, when he got to Houston, I had moved to San Antonio and I didn't know how to get a hold of him, you know, um, of course, back then we didn't have cell phones and everything, so it was like, "Hey, I'll write him a a letter to Houston." Well, he got hurt in training camp, and then and then I said, "Well, I guess that was that," you know. And and, uh, and then all of a sudden that summer after the basketball season, I get a call from Park City, Utah, and, and uh, somebody. My wife's name's Danielle as well, so she goes by Danny. I used to go by Danny, but I get this call and. And this guy says, hey, can I speak with Danny? And I was like, hey, you want the male or the female? You know, of course, this is before Caitlyn Jenner and all that. <laughs> so, so just like kind of radio silence there, man. Like uh, the guy was like, the guy I went to high school with and played basketball with. And then I had to explain the whole story. Well, see, my wife goes by that name, you know, now. I go by Daniel. But anyways, he, he explained to me that, you know, Van Gundy took a liking to him and, um, and I was like, hey, uh, sorry you got cut. And, and, and that's when I realized that, man, he, he's, he was doing fine. He was like, hey, no worries, man. I made, I want to say, like $750,000 for just signing that contract. And then he said he went to went to Europe to play for 30 games for another 750000 I was like, oh, I guess you're okay, man. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, the year after I graduated, they really took off. I mean, Jeff McGinnis came there with, with Stackhouse and um, – I mean, we were we were ranked and everything. We we actually were number one team in the country my junior year um, by USA Today. Um, but uh, yeah, after after I left, man, uh, you know, Carmelo, uh, you know, uh, Rondo. I mean, all those guys. Yep. All those guys. But uh, but anyhow, the mouth of Wilson, Virginia. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I actually had <laughs> I, I drove up to Pennsylvania this summer and was was going to go by there, and I was like, yeah, it's kind of off the beaten path. I'll, I'll go yeah. there maybe when I'm 60 or something. <laughs> there you go. Go see your it's, statue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, they've, they've, uh, they've uh, obviously I, I kind of follow them a little bit. They've done okay. I mean, uh, I think they've been hurt a little bit because uh, uh, their, their kind of model has been taken over by a lot of other schools. You know, right. IMG uh, and a bunch of other places have started siphoning off their views. Yeah, yeah. And basically when I was there, uh, it was Riverside Church, AAU program, and the, and the Gauchos would send their guys. Yes. You know, yes. and those were, you know, they were iconic in the original AAU. Yes. You know, AAU now is like every Tom, Dick, and Harry's got a team. But, uh, right. you know, back then, I mean, and, and then they would they would pull some of us off of the – Oak Hill team to go play in tournaments back then. Um, Riverside Church was, uh, you know, run by a wealthy attorney. Um, <laughs> and uh, he he literally paid those guys way to go to school down there. But, um, you know, uh, uh, I, I just, uh, I look back on it and it was a, it was a great experience. Um, you know, unfortunately, I only went to go play in junior college, blew out my knee and then and then was going to walk on at Temple with Coach Chaney and, and didn't even make it to first practice because uh, life happened and the girlfriend at the time was pregnant and decided that, hey, you know, I don't have time to wake up at 
four in the morning and practice and then also work at, at night <laughs> you know, and go to school, <laughs> you know. So I, I kind of left my dreams there. So uh, when, I, when I got into this, I, I going back to Larry and talking to his dad, I leave every guy with saying, hey, even if you don't choose me, you have my number. If you ever have any kind of question, you know, about the process, give me a call. And uh, and I always remember Larry calls me up and is like, hey, you know, you said I could call about anything. We decided not to go with you, but uh, could you give me some background on this agent that I'm going to sign with? <laughs> and I was just like, what? And I was like, well, well okay. no, no good deed goes unpunished. <laughs> no good. Yeah. So, so uh you know, I, I uh, uh, that second year, um, the only uh, I only had uh, one client, and he was a, a kid, a Haitian kid from uh, Florida, that um, you know uh, originally went to University of Iowa, failed out. Uh, let me back up. He originally was at Dodge City Community College, then went to Iowa, then failed out, and ended up at Dubuque University. So that was my first take of really small school okay, you know, i got to get this guy in. And um, and my wife would tell you it was the worst, worst experience of her life um, <laughs> from foot, my, from the football aspect because uh, I had him train here in San Antonio, had him at his place for a little bit, and then, um, and then we had some issues, and uh, he started living at my house. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and my kids are like, man, you tell us not to take like more than four pieces of meat and this guy's stacking up his sandwich like <laughs> you know, he's taking a pound of meat on every sandwich. I'm like, oh yeah, don't worry about it, guys, he's gonna make us make us some money. But no, Walner was uh he led the Big Ten in like punt returns his his year at Iowa and, and uh great D B. Um and that's where I learned the struggle though of the whole pro days and trying to find somewhere for a small school kid to get in the pro day. And um and and luckily enough up in Iowa, Iowa State is fairly open to those guys. And um they were really accommodating and, and uh actually dealt with a, a kid from um an NAI school this year. I didn't represent him, but I saw where I was you know, I kind of follow the smaller school guys that don't go with me just to see, hey, what happened to them. Um but uh uh they uh um um they they took him this year, and I want to say uh, I can't remember if it was my second or third year in, but I also had two other guys that I was going after, and uh, and one was a kid named Xavier Oman from running back from I Northwest remember Missouri. From the state, yes, yeah, he was yeah. our he was our Division two offensive player of the year at Consistence Draft Services. I remember him extremely well. Yeah, yeah, came from a really broken family from Nebraska, and and his. Kind of his mentor was his middle school basketball coach. So from that summer, again, I can't remember my second or third year, but I was dealing with this guy. His name was Ben, and uh, really had a good relationship with him. Really thought, hey, you know, um, I, I think I'm going to sign Xavier. Well, that same year, there was a, a D3 receiver from Mount Union that I also was talking to, and I was the first guy to talk to this kid. And when it came down time to, you know, travel and everything from Texas, you know, I kind of did a cost-benefit. I said, okay, little 5'10 receiver from a D3 school or, you know, his power runner from a D, you know, D2 school, you know, who, who, who probably will pay off more? 
And so I decided, that, you know, I'm going to go to the D2 guys' games, and the D3 guys just, I'll still stay in touch with them, you know. He's a D3 guy. Mm-hmm. What, what's it going to be? <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, what happens is, uh, I'm still good with Xavier. I see him at games, shake his hand. I went to like three games. I didn't go to a lot of games, but I went to three games. Saw the guy, Ben, his, his advisor. And then all of a sudden, in the playoffs, he blows up for like 250 yards for two straight games, and they're playing on ESPN. Well, that, that, sunk me. All of a sudden, all these guys from all over the country come sinking into him, and I start seeing stories about how he felt slighted from, from the University of Nebraska. You know, he should have been a D1 guy, and then it starts throwing up red flags to me that, okay, this guy thinks, you know, because he got slighted, a lot of kids think that, you know, the recruiting thing with us is just like school, so I'm, you know, little University of Texas San Antonio, I offer you a scholarship, well, then Alabama comes in, who are you going to go to? You know, Alabama. <laughs> you always try to explain to the kid that this recruiting aspect of your agent is different. It's about you, not who your agent or agency is. They don't care if you're at CAA or I represent you. They care about what you can do on the field and what your athletic right. ability is. But, you know, they're, they only have – the way the rules are now, you only have so much time to convince them of this. So, anyways, I saw red flags going up, and I'm like, oh, crap, you know, I, I might lose this guy. And and then the last, I went to semifinal game or something, and, and he went and talked to me and didn't come out of the locker room, and I knew, okay, it's over with. And in the meantime, I'm still talking to the D3 kid, and everything's good. And uh, and then it comes time to sign. You know, the playoffs are over for those D2, D3. Mount Union, I want to say, won the championship that year. And it comes time to sign. And uh, obviously I lost Xavier. You know, I knew that. He went with a guy from uh, Connecticut. Um, can't think of his name right now. But uh went with him. And, uh, and the D3 kid calls me up, you know, and he's like, hey, uh, where did you want to send me to train? And I told him different places. And then he's like, well, I'm going to call you back in an hour. And I said, okay, you know. And then uh, he calls me back and he's like, hey, Daniel, I appreciate everything. You were the first one to see something in me. But there's these local guys from Ohio that came to a couple of my games, and I just feel like I need to go with them because they came to my games. But um, I appreciate everything. And I said, okay, man, best of luck. You know, you know, I'll follow your career. Next thing you know, preseason goes along, <laughs> season starts. And, you know, to be honest, I didn't really follow, you know, what happened to him. Uh, well, actually, I did. But I still thought, well, he's a. Lo- he actually got drafted, right? And uh, and, and uh, next thing I see, you know, is Pierre Garcon catching touchdown passes from you know, Peyton Manning, and I shoot myself in the foot, and I, you know, I'm just like, I can't believe this crap, man. <laughs> but uh, yeah. you know, and I always tell people that story because I was like, you never know, man. You think like, you, hey, you know. Um, but then, but then uh, I want to say that was my second year because my third year, my my one guy was I had a safety, uh, Justin Garrett from um, from Missouri, and then I actually had another safety, uh, uh, Eric Henry from University of Mary Hart Baylor, and, and that's when I really, really saw you know how the NFL business was really changing from trying to find that diamond in the rough to hey they're going to give a big school guy even though Missouri's not like huge at the time it's still Big Twelve they're going to give a big school guy 
more shock than a small school guy um, because I had these two kids. They both were safeties. Eric Eric was his family was from Liberia. Um, he was from a town called Lake Dallas, just north of Dallas. Um, you know, parents had some money, uh, but he was about six three. I want to say two twenty. Uh, I mean, he had a forty inch leap, ran a four six forty on a wet Baylor University football field because at the time Baylor was nobody, so they would let. Mary right. Harden Baylor used to be the girls' school, <laughs> and right. uh, and so they would let Mary Harden Baylor kids come in and do pro day there. But it was right. you know their facilities were crap at the time, so they say, <laughs> oh yeah, you can do them, but you would you know like my guy ran after twenty guys ran, so <laughs> it was like <laughs> mud, and he was in those those waffle track shoes. That's what he ran in, and so I mean he, he had a decent time and everything. Um, like I said, he ran a, I want to say he ran a four, six, two or something like that, but he had an unbelievable, he had an over 40 leap, uh, in the vertical. Um, but, uh, you know, just couldn't get anyone to bite. In the meantime, I have the, the kid from Missouri who was an honorable mention, all big 12, end up running like a four, eight, eight, you know, really, really not good. And, uh. And I, I had no problem getting him in the rookie camp, you know. It was like, hey, they're all calling. And, and then when I got him into the Bengals rookie camp, other teams were calling. I said, well, I have another kid. Oh, no. And and just from me looking at it alone, I was like, now this is way better athlete than, you know, this guy. But the only right, difference bigger, is stronger, was, faster. <laughs> yeah. 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 But then when I started, what I started to realize um, is that uh, – you know, um, it, it's such a it's a billion dollar business now, and they're they're the scouts. You know, I, they got to look out for themselves too. And it's an easier sell to say a kid from University of Missouri yep. didn't make it than a kid from Mary Hard Baylor. You know, um, right. you know it's 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 and it's rare, and that's why I, I kind of disappoint when guys like CO die or retire because the younger guys, um, and this is kind of bringing scared. us up to the. They're really yes. scared. They're, that's that's yeah. what it is. They are, yeah. They're scared. Yeah. I talk to the scouts like you talk to – I mean, I'm not even trying to sell them anything. I mean, that I, mean, I, don't, have, I don't represent anybody. I just say, look, take a look at this kid. And say, yeah, he looks good, but you – know, <laughs> yeah. That's always that but. Yeah, he looks really good, but. <laughs> and, and I think the Internet is a game changer, you know, because, you know, yeah, people follow the draft, they watch the draft, but now you got the message boards, you have, you know, draft scout, I mean, uh, you know, um, you got yourself. Um, but but uh, but you're 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 pulling on the small school guy. But you know now it's it's people can just get on there. You got Twitter, you know, um, get on there and just blast you know these guys, and then they don't give them a lot of teams don't give them time to develop, you know, and uh, and it just it just bothers me because uh, after that third year, I actually stepped away from the agent side for a while because I didn't get that contract, you know. And uh, and at the time, I was aligned with a guy, uh, and I'm still kind of aligned with him. Um, uh, um, he's a, another agent out of Ohio. Um, it's called Diamond Sports uh, Sports Management. Um, you know, we kind of aligned because he wanted a foothold in Texas, and he was from Ohio. He's now moved to D.C. But um, it, it, um, after I decided, hey, you know, I'm not going to get this, this contract here, and I, I don't want to take the test right now to – get recertified he said well i'm a marketing guy you're an attorney 
I'm gonna let, you're gonna still stick on as my attorney. So if I have any questions, and that way it kept me in the business. Um, so I stepped away for about three years, and plus I, I and I guess I should tell you this: I, I lost about seventy five thousand dollars in three years. <laughs> so, yeah, which is about part of the course. If you talk to other guys who, um, one of my good friends is Greg Linton. I don't know if you follow Greg Linton. He's a good great yeah. follower, first of all. Okay, mm-hmm. he's he's got similar stories from his early career. Guys that you know swore up and down, man, Greg. You know, you're my guy. I love you. You know, you're like a family to me. Blah blah blah. And then, yes, yeah, you said, you know, when the time comes to sign, calls some of your calls are going straight to voicemail. <laughs> you can't find mm-hmm. the kid. So yes, um, the reason we one of we say kid is because an adult person would say, hey. As you said, at least your guys at least have come to you and said, hey, I appreciate everything you did, and I really like, you know, speaking with you. But but with Greg, it seems like a lot of guys just go MIA, like you just can't get a hold of them. Uh, but he's mm-hmm. carved out a niche for himself. And it, once again, <clears throat> you know, he hit, had played himself at Kentucky. He had a bit of a relationship with some of the – of course, that staff's changed, you know, four times, five times maybe mm-hmm. since he's been gone but out of there. But, <clears throat> but originally, at least, he had some relationships with coaches and others in the area. But – it's such a fight because you can't just, uh, you know, eat, as you said, 75, 100, 150, 200. I mean, people don't realize how much money people are in the assumption that, you know, the agent sort of has it, you know, hey, assign you kids, they do the work and the money rolls in. It's so the opposite. Particularly when you're first starting out, you've got a lot more going out than you've got coming in for the first several years you're in the business. Mhm. Mhm. Well, and, and this business is such perception. You know, if you have nobody in the NFL, it's it's a hard sell. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like uh, you know. But um, matter of fact, I could tell you. Um, you know who Todd France is? Yes, former safety. <laughs> yes, I remember Todd France as a player, but of course he's yeah. made it now. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Um, 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 you know, uh, I want to say he represented Priest. Uh, uh, I think he represented Priest. Well, anyways, I mean, uh, um, I guess I shouldn't put his business out there, but <laughs> uh, anyhow, I, just to, we'll just say that the perception is a reality. Is 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 like you said with with guys. They're so young, and they've only been exposed to the recruiting of the colleges. Their their mindset is: Do you have anyone in the NFL? Okay, who yep. do you have? You know, and if you have someone, then all of a sudden you become legitimate. Um, you know, not right now. I, I'm lucky enough. I have two guys that are playing, um, and, and even even how I've gotten them is kind of a weird story. You know, it's <laughs> it's just sometimes, and I'm I'm kind of a person that believes it, I'm a, in faith and. Just say, yeah. you know what, sometimes it's just God, man, that I end up with these guys. Because, <laughs> right. uh, I mean, my word, um, I mean, matter of fact, my one guy on the Bears, Jonathan Anderson, um, and, and I'm pretty sure he's going to stick this year. You know, there was some question because they, they brought in the two free agents, and, and one of them actually is from Mary Harden-Baylor. Um, but, uh, uh, and they drafted a linebacker, but... Uh, this is the other thing I realized too is now I've got guys in the league and I read you know beat writers. I realize man, a lot of these guys don't really understand football when they're going through their fifty fifty three man because they're saying oh this guy's gonna make it over that guy, but they're not looking at 
Well, is that guy playing any special math. teams? No. Right. It's math. <laughs> it's math. It's all math. Yeah. And the last, yeah. the last, this is true of every team in the league. The one thing that every team in the league has in common is the last six or seven guys on every single roster, that, that basically is the special teams coach's call. Those last six, six or seven guys on every yeah. roster in the league. Can, yeah. How many units of special teams is this guy on? Can I afford, when the special teams coach says, I, you can't cut this guy because he's on four of my special teams units, it'll take two guys to replace him. Yeah. Oh, okay. And that and that's and that's what's lucky with Johnson is that you know everyone was called me oh you know him and Timu because I know you're up there in Chicago so I know you're familiar yeah. with. And Very. I said yeah, yeah well you know the only thing is is with Timu look look at how many special teams he's on he's on none right. you know right. and if you're gonna be a backup linebacker you know good good God you got it. and then and then luckily like I told you we spoke with Johnson the other day I know he got the start against New England but. Uh, you know, I was telling him, I said, hey, I read an article about Coach Rogers, you know, he's talking about special teams, and the article was 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 um, headlined, you know, uh, rookie's going to make contribution. And in the article, he had a quote where he says that, uh, well, even the free agent signings, in the, uh, you know, has an effect on us, where a guy like Jonathan Anderson played 30% of defensive snaps, now he's going to play more special teams. You know, so I said, that's a pretty good quote to say in there. I mean, I, obviously, he's got to keep up. <laughs> working, working hard. Nothing's a given when you're, you know. I mean, uh, every Tuesday when you're at the bottom, you know how it goes. You're afraid you're going to get cut, and they're going to sign <laughs> someone else. Right. You know. Um, um, but uh, no, it's it's uh, it's it's unique. Like I said, so I, I got out of business for like three years, and then about two years ago came back. Um, and and now, uh, what brought you back? If you don't mind me asking. Well, I. Again, you know, I'm, I'm here. I am in law. Um, we actually, uh, I, I have seven children. Um, the last one kind of was a surprise. And, and at the time, my when I was in the military and when I was going to law school, my uh, my wife actually, she was originally at Morgan State, and uh, she was my girlfriend that got pregnant at the time when I was at Temple. And um, and uh, so, anyways, long story short, she left she left college early, and uh, followed me around in the military. And uh, and took classes, but they all, you know, every time you transfer, you know, oh, you got to take this again. Um, so when we ended up here, you know, kind of we talked and decided, hey, you know, I'm going to go to law school and she's going to go finish her degree. And uh, and anyways, she uh, she went back, um, got a degree in teaching. So she's a teacher now in special ed. And uh, we kind of, this last one was kind of surprised and, and I was working for a company and We've never really put our kids too much in, in daycare. One of them went to a friend of ours to stay with, but they they weren't watching kids anymore. So kind of made the decision, you know what, I'm going to leave my company, go back working for myself. And uh, so started practicing law again on my own and just was like, man, I hate this. <laughs> you know, I just don't. And I still, I actually still do it. I do real estate and I do some civil rights stuff. Um, but, uh, um, you know, it just and it's kind of weird because the agent business is very similar, but I guess that's because there's a lot of attorneys in it as well. But, uh, you know, um, at the time, uh, and it's, it had nothing to do with football, but uh, LeBron James left CAA, you know, yes. and uh, and he went with his, his buddy who he had gotten a job at CAA, <laughs> and uh, they went and did their own thing, you know. So I got to thinking, you know what? this might be the best time to actually get back in the business because 
here's again an example of a guy you can show the kids that it's not about who your agent is for you to get the your get paid. I mean, yeah, we could screw things up, you know, on the contract wise, but it's about your ability as a player and what you can do for that team, and that's all they care about. They don't care about who your agent is. And here's an example of of you know a prime example that everyone will know. You know, and they can they can right. go on Google and they can look it up and say, sure enough, yeah, he's not with a big agency. <laughs> you know, quite quite the opposite. Um, <laughs> he was yeah, initially yeah. the only client. He was the yeah. Well, and, and I'm sure they're going to be big. You know, in I mean, they already got quite a few guys now, but right. you know what I mean. Um, and so uh, I decided that you know I'm going to give this another crack. You know, and then I also I also. And smart enough to know that um, many a businessman fail the first time around, and I wouldn't say I failed, but um, you know, you learn from your mistakes, uh, and mm-hmm. and uh, and you you go back at it. And this time, I was like, you know, I'm not going to waste money on guys who don't have a shot. You know, yeah, I, I know every guy thinks he can play in the NFL, but now I know the business a little bit better. I'm going to be a little bit more kind of targeted realistic right yes <laughs> yeah yeah so uh um so anyways got back in and and uh and and got certified and and uh away i went you know um you know and, and to do that alone is you know it's what sixteen hundred dollars for the test and then yep. you know like two thousand dollars a year for your i don't know and, and then another twelve hundred for you know, so you're already in the hole, <laughs> five grand. You know, plus you got to register with each state if you want to be, you know, legal, um, right? Or at least talk to the kids. Uh, so you know, there went six grand, <laughs> you know, down the hole, and uh, and um, you know, I was lucky enough. My first year um, had two really good uh, clients. Um, you know, the first guy uh, really thought, he, and he was a small school guy from Fort Valley State, Bernard Little, uh, defensive tackle. Yes, I remember Bernard Little. And Bernard was, uh, he was a D1 guy, just never got the grades, and, you know, ended up with a couple JUCOs. He was originally a University of Georgia signee, and uh, and then uh, ended up at Fort Valley for his last two years. And, and man, his, his tape, if you watch his tape, it's incredible. You know, I mean, I know was, the guy he, can he, play in the... Right, he looked like Geno Atkins, practically. On <laughs> yeah, mean, yeah. I mean, former he was a basketball player. Yeah. I mean, just dominating guys at the D2 level, you know, and that's what yeah. you need. But unfortunately for him, uh, his uh, senior year, he missed, um, God, he missed like four games because they thought he had a heart arrhythmia issue, yeah. something like that. It's all coming back to me. Yeah, tachycardia or something, right? Yeah, and it turned out he was just out of shape. <laughs> he just got dehydrated. Yeah. You know, he was just a big 300-pound dude that was playing in the summer heat, and, you know, it just didn't go well. But it, anyways, it hurt his film for a senior year, you know. And um, and anyways, I, I actually encouraged him to do the regional combines. So, uh, um, and, and it's interesting how I got him. I actually got him through the trainer here in uh in uh, San Antonio um because uh, uh the head coach at uh, Fort Valley State used to be the offensive coordinator at A&M Kingsville. So he's friendly with Daryl Green and and the trainer here and and a couple a couple other guys. 
Um, there's a guy named Gizmo that used to work for the NFL Players Association and played on that team too. Um, but uh, these guys are all pretty tight. And, you know, so they call me, hey, you know, we got this guy. And I looked at his film. Oh, yeah, man, this this dude is legit. And, uh, shoot, we, we, we uh, tried to get him in the NFL PA game. But the PA game in the last two years has kind of gone more bigger school guys, I want to say. I mean, their smaller school guys are, uh, you know, FCS guys, not – not D2, D3 level. Because um, um, I want to say when they first started, they, they had quite a bit of smaller, smaller school guys. Um, but we couldn't we couldn't get them into that game. Daryl tried to get them in that game. but So I said, well, why don't you do the regional combine? It gives you the opportunity to do two pro days. And uh, anyway, so he, he did the one in Houston, and, and, he, and two years ago they had the, the national final one. Uh, so he made it to that, and it was going to be in uh, Phoenix. And and anyways, long story short is where, you know, I've learned you got to communicate a little bit better with uh, the head coach and everything. Uh, head coach decides to, to schedule a pro day the day before he used to travel to to Houston for the, for the oh, combine wow. out there. And so I told Bernard, I said, I told him, look, I'm coming out to Phoenix for your combine there. Because I was going to go to Fort Valley, but because he made the national one, I said, hey, I'm not going to go there and fly to – and I told him, I said, do not do anything. <laughs> do not do anything. Because <laughs> the thing is, they had uh, Laurent Fur there. And, oh, yeah, uh, the yeah, yeah. Linebacker. And then they had yeah. a uh, DB. They had a DB that actually ended up sticking with uh, – well, at least he was in camp with the Falcons for a little bit. But I said, don't right. do anything. And, and Ricardo Walker was what the year before. Before that, or was he after that? I can't remember. I want to say he was two years before. Two years before, okay. Because Fort Valley had a nice little run there for a while. Of, yeah, of yeah. NFL level guys. Yeah. No, yeah, and um, so, anyways, uh, long story short, somehow he tried to call me like seven in the morning my time, which would have been eight his time the day of their their pro day, and somehow the call didn't get through to me, and so I tried to call him back and didn't get him. And then he calls me after, and he's like, yeah, I did everything. And I said, what? I said, what did you do that for? And he said, well, the scouts were egging me on, saying that I was scared. And I said, I told you they were going to tell you to do that. I said they were going to play you like that. I yep. said, you didn't need to do that. You're about to be – I said, well, how many how many scouts were there? Well, there was three teams. I was like, you're about to go in front of every team. Every team. <laughs> and so, And so I was a little upset, man. <laughs> And a long story short, get out to Phoenix. He, um, you know, they do the they do the uh, uh, bench first, and then they go to do field work. And they they didn't allow me to go. So when he comes back to the hotel, and they, hey, how'd it go? Oh man, I pulled my hammy on my first forty. What? So he didn't do anything. He didn't do anything in front of them. And then all of a sudden, um, before the draft, we get a handwritten note from. Um, Ryan uh, Ryan uh, Grigson, the GM for the Colts, yeah. saying, uh, and uh, I guess he's notorious for this, but you know, got my my kid Bernard all excited, saying that, hey, we don't, you know, we're not going to draft you, but we really want to bring you in. You fit into our program, you know. I mean, actual signature, you know. Uh, right. And and so we, I thought, okay, you know, you know, I called him up, you know, I said, yeah, we know who he is. We sent a letter, said, okay, worst case scenario, well, we don't get any calls for him none, you know, uh, coming up to the draft. And I'm like, what is going on? 
you know, and uh, and anyhow, um, what happened, what turned out to happen was, uh, and luckily the coach there at Fort Valley, the uh, like the assistant GM for the Chiefs, Chris Ballard, I don't know if you know who he is, um, mm-hmm. he actually mm-hmm. He actually coached at A&M Kingsville as well. <laughs> and so uh, um, um, the head coach for uh, uh, Fort Valley, you know, calls him up and said, what's going on? And, and what happened was, you know how it works if you only got a couple teams that go to a pro day? Well, one team writes up the, the evaluation for all the teams, for both. you know, and it right. goes into the database. Well, a flipping giant scout that was there um, – who wasn't supposed to be there is another guy, but I don't know how he ended up there. It's not his, it's not his area. He ripped my guy apart and it just, really? it, it killed him. He said, oh, you know, he's not flexible and all this guy is not strong. I mean, he, he wrote a bad review on him. So mm-hmm. anyhow, um, needless to say, I was calling the Colts all during the draft and they wouldn't return my call. <laughs> you know? oh. And, uh, and nothing, nothing. And then so for the next two weeks, I was on the phone sending emails to all the teams that had two weeks after. And lucky enough, was able to get them into the into the um, um, rookie camp for for Washington. But unfortunately, Bernard's one of those guys. He, he needs a little bit more than two days to pick up, you know, the system. Um, and you know that you know when you go into rookie camp, um, that's not what they're looking for. You know, if you're right. not signed, <laughs> you know. Right. Um, and you know it, it's hard to tell a kid because they they get mad. Oh, I only got two reps, and you got to tell them, hey, you know, you're only you're only you're only gonna get two reps. So even if you do something, do it violently, you know. And right. you know, even if it's wrong, somebody, <laughs> someone has to die. Exactly. When yeah. you get your reps, someone has to die. I I hate to put it that way, but I don't care if you right if you go offside and you just crush somebody's skull, whatever. Someone has to die. Yeah. <laughs> someone, yeah. Pick someone. Pick a victim out. You know, apologize in your head and kill that person. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, so I, I, I felt I felt good that I at least got him to Washington, and I I love Bernard because he he was realistic about it. Is that hey, he got into camp, didn't work out. You know, tried with Canada, didn't get anything. Came with him. he didn't finish his degree, so he actually went back to Fort Valley this year, and we're still on good terms. I mean, we don't talk every day, but mm-hmm. um, you know. Uh, other guys are not realistic and, and really, anyways, we won't get it. We can get into that later, but, uh, right. But it's, it's your fault. But, Somehow it's your fault or someone else's yeah, fault. It's everybody's fault. Yeah. But, yeah. and, uh, but, but the other guy I had, uh, and I had another kid from, uh, and he was kind of a long shot. He was from Delta state, a guy named Diego Lubon and hadn't met him in person. They had him playing DN there at Delta state. Um, originally was at like Western Kentucky Really nice kid, really nice kid. But um, when I actually met him in person, I realized, oh, this is going to be a really long shot because he first off he had to play linebacker, which which he did a little bit at Western Kentucky. But he was, you know, like I said, I'm five nine. Well, he was my size, you know. When I stood next to him, I'm like, okay, he's five nine. <laughs> you know, so you're five nine. You come from a D two school, man. You are a really long shot, you know. But uh, and he's going but, from uh, playing with his hand in the dirt to standing up and. Yeah, wow. And the thing is with him, um, and this, and actually I, the reason I bring him up is his pro day was eye-opening to me because the reason why I was like, hey, you know, I'm still going to take Shaolin. He could put the bench up 45 times. 
I mean, he oh. was a he he was a beast when it comes to weight. So I told him, I said, sometimes when you do just one thing like that, it stands out way above everyone else. It might give you your shot. Right. So uh, his pro day was going to be at Jackson State that year, and uh, so I drove twelve hours, you know, to go see this thing in a in a doggone ice storm, and uh, and uh, uh, get there at Jackson. They said, well, it's not going to be at Jackson State. It's going to be at this. Uh, new facility and it was a nice workout facility but they had a they had a, like a 45 50 yard field but half of it was inside and then they had like a garage door to lift up for the other half you uh-huh. know and so so basically uh-huh. they're gonna be running out in this ice you know um, uh-huh. and then the scouts were in the morning originally at Ole Miss and I don't know I guess delayed because of the storm they ended up getting to the the facility we were at later than they like two hours later than they were supposed to, and uh, and anyhow um, something happened that had never and I contrast this with CO and his pro day up at UT Arlington. There was thirty guys from Jackson State and small school other small schools and whatnot. So you know there's quite a bit of guys, but you know. I want to say almost every team was there scout-wise, but all of a sudden they said, you know, usually you start with the, the bench. You know, and so that's why I felt good. Okay, my guy's going to do 45, you know, at least 40-plus. You just shock them. Right, right. Well, they, and I'm sure you've heard this story, but it started they with come 40, out. Oh, this horror story. Yeah. Yes, go ahead. Yeah, they come out yeah. and they say, uh, um, hey, uh, we're going to do the 40 first. We're going to run 40s first. Like, well, that's odd. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they have them run forties, and the, and you have all positions: D lineman, O lineman, quarterback, running right. back, Everything. you know, receiver. Right. <laughs> and uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, they go away and huddle in some room to get at the times. And then the the guy that's the Kansas City scout calls all the kids over, and he says, uh, "I always remember this, and, and I already know, you know, it's a height weight speed league." But he says, "This is a high, gentlemen. It's a height weight speed league. We determined that if you didn't get." a certain time or below that we're not going to test you on anything else. Yep. And nobody and I was four thinking, six. Yeah. Well, yeah. no, it was even four five. <laughs> I mean, oh, was it was four, something five? that, yeah, it was something ridiculous that not even guys <sighs> in D1 even all run. You know, it's like, really? I was like, what, Jeez. what offensive lineman is running a four five? You know, I mean, Paul, Paul Dawson that year ran a five Oh as a linebacker. I mean, exactly. Exactly. I, mean, I know. Come I know. on. And, and I was I was sick. I was like, man, I just drove twelve hours yeah. to see this bull crap, you know. And what is it that blows and, my mind? I mean, just do your job. What the Belichick says, do your job. You're there yeah. to evaluate players, you know, and who knows what you might have missed on. Just mm-hmm. do your job. And that's where and that's where I'm upset about this. To this day, I'm I'm not you know, I didn't drive twelve hours, but I was mad I was mad then, I'm mad now. <laughs> Yeah, do they realize what who who played at this university? I mean, that's how I was thinking. No. I was like, no, they don't. So, and this is where they what you said about having guys with a sense of history matters. They don't know about Robert Brazil. They don't know about Walter and Eddie Payton. They don't. Mm-hmm. They just don't. They don't know. They're. I mean, I don't. I hate to be the old crotchety guy, but the the downside of having a bunch of twenty seven year olds you know, be the average age of your scouts is they don't have a sense of history. Well, yeah, and, and this is this is a thing, too, and I, I hate to bring race into it, but 
they they're a bunch of you know kids from the suburbs that went you know yep. intern at the yep. University of Michigan. Yep. You know, didn't even play football yep. and don't know yep. anything about the historically black colleges. Yep. So it's like, do you know how many stars came from these schools? Superstars. I, mean, <laughs> I mean, my God. So so Jerry Rice wouldn't have been good enough for you guys? Well, that's the best thing. Jerry Rice wouldn't have qualified. They would have passed on Jerry Rice. Someone should have said yeah. that. You do realize yeah. that it's... You would have been there at Jerry Rice's pro day. You would have passed. You would have been no, yeah. I'm good on Jerry Rice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I was, I was just appalled. So what happened was that guy ended up. He, he was from uh, uh, a little small town in Florida, and uh, he ended up doing a, a pro day at an NAIA school in Florida where no scouts showed up. It was just the staff there, and they videotaped it. And it was like, you know, and he actually ended up letting me go, but. And he had an adopted family that was from Mississippi that took care of him. And I tried to explain, and I tried to explain to everyone. I said, "You all call us agents, but you know the player association actually calls us contract advisors. We're not. Advisors, yeah. You know, there's there's this misconception that we're like movie star agents that we get your films <laughs> and this and that. And I said, the business doesn't work like that. We we send your film, and we hope just like you that they like your film. You know, we we talk to guys and we say, hey, we got this guy that can really play. Right. And know, there's relationships. And I mean, some some agents or contract advisors or whatever you want to call them do develop relationships with certain teams, certain coaches. Certain, yes. I'm not going to name any yes. names, but we all know yes. that there are a couple of coaches who are very close to a couple of agents whose names also I will not say. And they call, they say, hey, he's got this kid, and he's not quite this. He's, they can be honest. Hey, he, you know, he's not the smartest kid in the world, and he's done some things, but. And they're like, okay, we'll take him in the sixth round. You know, you know, yeah. well, I mean, I, I tell people, I tell people all the time, it's relationship. I mean, look at Fred Jackson, the running back. I mean, the only reason he got a shot with the the Bills was uh, Marv Levy went to the same college. Yep, the coach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, he would never have gotten a shot. You know, and I, I know he went to NFL Europe, but um, but anyhow, yeah, that that was that story with that kid where I just was like appalled. I I was like, man, yeah. At least at least CEO g- gave these kids the opportunity to believe, even if the scouts really wanted to give them a shot. Did the kid yeah. believe that I had a shot at the NFL and I gave my best, and that's all the kid could do? You know, doing, it's, doing your job. That's like it's I still. This is one of the most upsetting stories. I've been around this game a long time, Dan. <laughs> I mean, still, it's one of the most upsetting stories I ever remember. Because just do your job. No one's asking mm-hmm. anything above and beyond. Just do your job. You're already yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, well, that and that showed me, though, that the new NFL is not looking for that diamond in the rough, as they say. You know, their diamond in the rough now is just some kid that got kicked out of a D1 school that was a – Army All-American, and now ended up having to go to D2. I mean, that's right. not a diamond right. in the rough. Everyone right. already knew right. about right. him. <laughs> you know, right. so I, point. I, I've realized that, man, they're they're not looking for these guys anymore. You know, it's just, uh, I, I mean, and I don't want to say everybody, because there are some right. teams that, that legitimately do give smart school guys a shot. But but that's the story with him. And the other interesting story was is with my guy with, with the, the Bears. Um, you know, Johnson <laughs> Johnson was a starting starting uh, linebacker for TCU his junior year, and prior to that, 
he was their safety. They moved him down his junior year to linebacker because they're they're just full. I mean, actually, his freshman year, he started against I want to say it was BYU or Utah and had 17 tackles as a, as a safety freshman. And um, and so uh, just the way they run their four two five at TCU, they said, oh, we're going to stick you yeah. at linebacker. And so he was at linebacker. He started his junior year. And uh, and actually won the starting job in spring ball, and then fall ball came his, his uh, senior year, and he got beat out by Paul Dawson, who ended up being the Big Twelve Defensive Player of the Year. Right. And and I always tell people, I said, God, if you could have put Paul Paul's body, uh, well Paul's you know football mindset, and, and right there you go, and Jonathan's body, you would have had a first round pick because yeah. if you see Paul, Paul's, I mean, well, I see Paul. He's, he's <laughs> he looks like a guy you would see playing at NAIA. He's dumpy. Yeah, he's got yeah. the child-bearing hips. I'm not trying to be mean, but it's, no, not, no, a, it's not a great athlete's body. You're looking at. You're like, no. Is, when you see him in person, it's like this is Paul Dawson. This yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's crazy, man. I remember uh, one of the scouts talking to his agent at his pro day, saying. Yeah, he still has that chubby belly and da da da, you know. And, it's, and I'm thinking, yeah. you know, some guys are just like that, man. <laughs> you know, not everyone's going to have a six pack. You know, as no, much as I mean, train. he's he's right. I mean, he's a guy who would have been a first round draft pick in the 1950s. They didn't care about, you know, body. You know, your. I mean, didn't not say they didn't care, but you know, I mean, they were measuring guys' body, you know, fat percentage in those days. You know, yeah. they do what 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 you know. Artie Donovan's body fat percentage was, and no one cared. Uh, yeah, you know, but but yes, he he's just a a, a film junkie and a, a guy with great instincts and a hustler. Yeah, and yeah, he, and he'll he'll, make, know, he'll he'll have a fine career. But yes, he's not, oh yeah, you were not picking out of a group of a hundred guys just walking around in shorts and saying, that's the guy I want. <laughs> yeah, no, because and the thing is, I, he actually went to the perfect team for him, you know. Uh, you know, because uh, obviously, as a example of uh, of the kid there from Arizona State that didn't run well either, you know, and, and Marvin. Oh, perfect, yeah. Yeah, and yeah Marvin had had other, you know, baggage <laughs> area yeah. pickup yeah. kind of things going on too. But yes, yes. But, but go ahead. No, as I say that, that you're right. They, that's a program that has proven that they want football players and you don't have to necessarily be the cleanest, you know, in, in other areas, as long as you are a really good football player. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, what, what, what happened though is, is that, you know, so anyways, Jonathan, Jonathan lost his spot. And, uh, and, and, and uh, I actually, I, I, I never sent an email, never called the kid, never sent a letter to the kid. I actually wanted to represent his teammate, a guy named Sam Carter. Oh, um, the safety. Yeah, and Sam. I was a huge Sam, Sam Carter fan. <laughs> yeah, Sam is a great football. Has a great football mind. Great kid. Yep. He actually. He's originally from New Orleans. One of those guys that got this place. This place, you know, because, right? Because of the storm, and ended up in Houston. Played for a good friend of mine, a guy named Jeffrey Caesar. That's he's originally from Lake Charles, but. Um, he coached him in defense in high school, and and uh, Coach Caesar always talked well about him. So I, I had sent, I actually had sent Sam some information, you know, my contact number and email, and hey, you know, I want to represent you. And well, I never heard from Sam, you know. And my friend Coach Caesar was always like, oh, you know, I got his this and that. And I said, no, he didn't call me, man, you know. And and um, 
Well, anyways, uh, they play the Peach Bowl and destroy Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that night at about one o'clock in the morning, and I, I wasn't up, but uh, you know my email shows me, and I still have the email. Uh, this guy says Jonathan Anderson sends me an email says, "Hey, my teammate Sam Carter gave me your information. Just interested if you'd like to represent me." <laughs> and of course, my, my thought was, "Well." Okay, I, I I followed TCU pretty well this year. I don't remember his name, you know, <laughs> and I'm not going to go represent some guy. You know, I just told you I learned from mistakes. I'm not going to go get some, spend money on some guy who's some third-string guy that has absolutely no shot. So then I start researching him, and I see, oh, shoot, you know, he actually has the record for most tied with Dawson this year with the most tackles in the game, 17 for TCU. So, okay, he can play. He was a He was a safety. And uh, uh, they moved him to linebacker and lost his job. And then I and I saw, oh, he's six foot three, you know, two hundred and thirty pounds. I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, safety from Seahawks. You know, hey, we can sell him. You know, he's got a good body. And then of yeah. course, I'm also I'm also thinking, and now I got to end with the D1 program. You know, um, <laughs> well. He ends up uh, he ends up working out in in, um, in Houston and uh, and goes to his pro day. Shows up at two thirty six. Now I learned that TCU lies about two inches on their players. <laughs> yeah, checked yeah. in at six one. Yeah, um, but ran a, a four four eight. You know they they rounded up to four five one. Right, and after that, I mean. 20 teams calling me, you know, right. like, hey, you, you know, okay. and that's where I say, <laughs> say if they could have put Dawson's mind in his body, you know, Ugh. you right. would have had an unbelievable player. But right. Luke Keekley at that point is what you said. <laughs> yeah, and and what happened was, um, you know, the Bears are the ones that came in strongest, and I suggest you go there because, you know, Fox was new, and, and I figured that, you know, hey, uh the, they wanted him to play the Jack linebacker spot, and I was like, "Hey, their their system is similar. I mean, it's not a four-two-five, but you know, they're they're running but they three need, four. Uh, a guy can, right? You know, a guy can run, a guy can cover, mm-hmm. um, right? I mean, yeah. he's the right size, and he's a terrific athlete. And they and I mean, they they were calling all the time. So you know, I told them, "Hey, go there," you know, and uh, and I said, "It's a clean slate," and and. And the thing with the Bears last year is, and I know they cut the, the guy, the, the one um, linebacker they signed as a free agent, they only gave him a one-year deal, and everyone else was on one-year deals, you know. So it was like, hey, worst-case <laughs> scenario. And, and I said, all these other guys are from the other regime. They're going to want to get rid of him. So he ends up going there. Right. He ends up, you know, first four weeks he was on the practice squad. He ends up making it, and, he, you know, he played 32% of the snaps. Now this year he's still fighting to make the squad. But, but the ironic thing, is all of a sudden this uh, this December come find out that uh, through somebody else that um, you know him and Sam are still best friends. Well, Sam let his agent go, you know, and uh, so all of a sudden someone put Sam in touch with me, and it wasn't Jonathan, and uh, and so Sam and I get talking, and I, I was like, hey, you know, I, I got some contacts with CFL, you know, what what do you think there? And um and and anyways, uh 
I ended up paying for him to do uh, the college gridiron. They had kind of like a, you know, a free agent type okay. deal. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So he didn't have the money, so I paid for it. And I went up there. I met with him because I had a couple of players that were going to play in it, uh, Tony and um, and uh, – and, um, With Clayton in Clayton. there? Clayton. Yeah, and Clayton. Yep. There you go. And uh, and so I said, hey, well, and we'll have dinner. And so, um, you know, got talking with Sam. Well, came find out that um, – Sam, because of his football head, he ha- he already had offers to coach, be, right? Yeah, be a coaching on the coaching staff at Arkansas, Missouri, and and not even a GA, actual coach, actual coach. <laughs> so, yeah. so coach, you yeah. know, I told him, I said, look, I want to represent you as a player or a coach, either way, you know, um, but you need to look at things. I said, if you go to the CFL, you know, your first year, okay, you maybe get fifty grand or something. Right now, they're offering you $44,000. You're 23 years old. Shoot, in six years, you could be a defensive coordinator somewhere. You know, making... And if you're in the Big 12, let's just say, for instance, as a, as a 29, 20, 30-year-old D coordinator, you'll be making... At the school that pays the least, you'll be making about four hundred grand. Yeah. In the, yeah, and that's what I told them. You know, and, of course... You know, and of course, every kid is like, I want to play in the league. And I, I try to break down the economics to them that, um, you know, and I'm not saying because of what I said, he chose what to do. Um, but, uh, you know, I made the realization to him that, hey, you know, um, the head coach, I'm in San Antonio, and they just hired, you know, um, the guy that he was like a, he was a running back coach. He was, uh, God, I can't think of his name. Well, he was their main recruiter. There you go. Coach Wilson. Yeah, MLT, I told yeah. him, I said, Wilson, he, yeah. he's, he's, if anything, he's in his early 30s, you know. Yep, 34, um, and, I think. Yeah, and I said, he's going to, from what I see, he's going to turn this program around. And even if he just goes 7-3, and three, you know, 7-4 for three years, he's going to move on to a bigger program, you know, because the guy can recruit and the guy can coach, you know. So, um I just was explaining to him that, yes, Jonathan's in the league, but the average time in the league is three and a half years, and you got to consider Peyton Manning and, and and people like that that stay in the league for 16. You know, for every guy that stays for 16, there's a guy that only plays six games in the league, you know. Uh, and, 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 and then we talked about that, you know, here's an opportunity that, yeah, you probably can go coach again, but maybe it's a GA position and then you're starting lower than you are. But you're right now. So he t- and he, uh, and long story short, he took a, a defensive. He's a de- defensive quality control coach at Missouri this year. Um, <laughs> and uh, and I think I think from what everyone had told me that shoot, he might end up taking over for Patterson when he leaves. <laughs> I mean, that sounds crazy. It sounds crazy, it sounds but that's crazy, how much. But he is a really <laughs> super smart guy. I mean, you're right. He can. He can draw up coverages. He can talk about how to, you know, how to attack. I mean, he just he has a great mind for the game. He has a. I'm talking. There's a short list of guys I've talked to who I would throw in that category. There was a guy who used to play at William and Mary and went on to have a nice little career. Speaking of connections, Marv Levy uh, had coached at William and Mary previously. He has a head coach there, and so he always looked out for William and Mary guys. Uh, and so mm-hmm. he got Mark Kelso who had a nice career in Buffalo. But Mark Kelso, I don't know why he's not coaching somewhere in the league. His mm-hmm. brain for the game is ridiculous, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a few guys like that. I mean, there's a short list of guys that could throw together who 
you could wake them up out of like a dead sleep at three o'clock in the morning and they could draw up, you know, how to, how to shut yeah. down, you know, post over dig or whatever. Just, you know, that's amazing. He's, he could mm-hmm. be that. I, I'm with you. He's, I mean, I, I loved him as a player and I would love to see him continue on for a couple of years more, but Sam, was he, was it a bad 40? There was something that people thought yes. fell out of love. Yes. With. Okay. That's, that's, that's what it was. They, okay. And the thing is he, he ran like a four seven six or something like that, which is not horrible, you know, because the guy knows how to put himself in position, you know. I mean, uh, but it's just, you know, that yeah, that's what it threw him because because their other safety that came out this year, Kindred, you know, ended up running a, what a, a sub four five, I want to say maybe, and and he's tiny. I mean, he's like five eight, you know, right, five but, nine. But this, they, they're going away from caring about size of the safety position. I mean, look at look at. You've got Deion Buchanan moving from safety to linebacker. You've got, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the guy who would have been a nickel just to have broke into the league as a nickel, but now they're starting free safety. It's time around Matthew, 5'9 and a quarter, 184 pounds. So, yeah. you know, a lot of safeties are 189, 186, 187, 188. You'll see the occasional big old school safety, but a lot of those guys are being moved to linebacker. Look at yeah. Jarrell Peppers, right? The best free safety in the country is being moved to Sam Linebacker at Michigan. You mm-hmm. know, they've mm-hmm. been a 208-pound starting Sam Linebacker at Michigan since the 1920s, probably. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, you go way back. Michigan used well, to like big dudes at Sam Linebacker. And it's, it's funny because, I mean, I almost feel like, hey, we're all, are we going to start seeing, like, defense and offensive linemen the same size they were back in the 60s and 70s? Because uh, – I mean, uh, one thing, like, with Anderson is that, you know, they want him to stay at 235. And, oh, okay, you know, because, you know, back in the day, 235, you're tiny, you know, at linebacker. And then he he actually, in talking, made the comment that they wanted Trevathan and and Freeman at that same size. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and Trevathan is one of Greg Linton's guys. So we've talked about, you know, the, the trend. I mean, they won't, it's not like they don't like big linebackers, but, can they, if Reggie Bush is coming out of the back zone, you got to cover him. If you're 256 pounds, you know that's that's a tough that's a tough day at the office. So yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, there's Reggie Bush. I got to go. Oh, Barry went. Oh, oh darn. You know. So yeah. Well, that and that's so, what killed like a, a, a Raglan this year. You know, people don't understand the game is changing and, and it's not. That kid uh, was 263 his junior year of college. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean, that's an enormous linebacker. I mean, you know, that's, that's a Levon Kirkland starter kit right there. Yeah, yeah, but they're going, but they're going away from those guys in the middle. So yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, you know, uh, um, but uh, but anyways, it's it's Sam Sam's there, and and uh, you know, and, and the one I'm going to go up to a game in Missouri and watch, but then as I learn how this business works, as you're talking about Greg there, a relationship with coaches is that, Hey, now I represent a coach, <laughs> you know, and I know how this, I know how this business goes, you know, it's, is I represent him and uh, maybe there's a kid, you know, you know, uh, I'm not asking Sam to push anyone on me, but if there's a kid just like, Hey, I don't know who to have me represent. He, here I am, you know, um, he can, he can at least speak freely about me and and say that hey um, he's a good guy legitimate and and uh, you never know um, and it's it's something I didn't have in the past um, but uh, but anyhow uh, uh, moving forward uh, um, you know uh, 
I, I want to say the the other guy I have in the in the league right now is um, the Brian Price kid, and I know that oh, you yeah, guys never yeah, got yeah. the you guys never got to hook up. And, yeah, we, uh, we I worked want, on it. <laughs> I tried. Yeah, I know he's a he's a really shy kid to be honest with you. Um, you and um, yeah, and uh, I mean, great great kid, man. His dad's a factory worker from Indiana. Um, and it's funny too because when I met his, I haven't met his mother yet. But when I met his dad at pro day, because um, he's kids from Indiana and ended up down here in Texas. Um, but uh, Brian's about six three. He was he was three thirty when you know I first met him. So I'm expecting a big gentleman that I'm going to meet, you know. <laughs> and here's this guy shorter than I am. <laughs> and uh, you see that sometimes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it, it just, uh, um, you know, and I was like, what? And he and he said, uh, Brian has told me, like I said, I didn't meet his mother, but um, but um, um, he told me his mother's the same size as, as his dad, and just happened to be his grandfather was six foot nine. So I was like, oh, obviously, oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but um, but the same thing with him was. Uh, you know, a lot of the states now require these agent days, and um, anyways, uh, some of the smaller, even the smaller D1 schools don't don't tend to have them because I guess they feel they don't have any draftable players or guys are going to get in the league. So they had a uh, uh, price came from Texas San Antonio, and right. um, and anyways, um, they uh, they in the past haven't really had anyone um, draft eligible, but. I guess this year, because they had the tight end um, who did really well, they figured, hey, we'll have an agent day, and they did it in December, um, which really the law, they're supposed to do it in the summer, but whatever, they sent me an email and said, hey, we're going to have an agent day, and well, even though I live here, I don't really fall, <laughs> to say, <laughs> say the least. So, uh, you know, I quick did my homework, and I was like, oh, well, okay, they got the tight end. They had a they had a DB that, that to play to OU, and they got this big defensive tackle that you know like places like Draft Scout, which they're good for the big school guys, but they're not always great they're on the small. Terrible, <laughs> no, they're terrible because of this. I a lot of guys with nine 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 by their days. You, yeah. you haven't seen the kid. If, yeah. if you you mentioned the whole thing about transfers, they're they're good mm-hmm. if a kid transferred down from you know, Missouri or Texas or Alabama or Arkansas or Auburn or Michigan State mm-hmm. transfers to Ferris State or transfers to Emporia or transfers to Pittsburgh State or transfers to Stephen F. Austin, you know, because they carry over the information they had on the kid before and they keep up with mm-hmm. them. But if you mm-hmm. started your career at a small school, even if you are an absolute unstoppable killing machine, they have no information. It's funny how they went from nothing on Alley Marpet to all of a sudden, because I, I pay attention to what they do, they went from having like nothing, 999, whatever, and then boom, all of a sudden he's like number 11 amongst their guards, and they kept going up and up and up. Uh, but yes, they, and, and it's not, it's not that they are, they're just a reflection of how the game is played, how things work, where a small school kid has to, I tell this to kids all the time, you have to produce an elite level. You have to measure at an elite level. You can't be, like I said, you can't be Paul Dawson. No matter how productive you were, if you're at D2 or NAIA or whatever, you can't be Paul Dawson. That's it. You're done. You've got to Mm -hmm. look the part. You've got to put up crazy numbers. And then when they test you, you need to have the day of your life. (laughs) You need to have the day of your life when they put the clock on you. 
I 100% agree. I 100% agree. I mean, it's actually, I, I have one kid, and I, I, I let you know about him. I'm waiting on his film, D3 kid, that I told him. I said, hey, you got. he had 18 sacks last year. I said, you got to have 20 this year. You got to have yep. at least 20. got to have at least 20. And, uh, I mean, he, at least he's got the size. He's 6'3", 245, but he, he plays DN and D3. You know, I said, you're going to have to play linebacker, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, but I said, if you have 10 sacks, you can forget it, man. <laughs> you know, you can forget <laughs> again, it. You're gonna start, find... start taking a look at Canada at that point. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, I, I, yeah, it's it's uh, it's more stressful on those kids. I mean, it's uh, – you can't have a bad game. What if that's the game they see? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, and, and the thing is, luckily for the price, for Price is that they played Oklahoma State and Arizona last year. Well, guess what? He dominated in both those games. So that's why. And and, and uh, um, Draft Scout they they don't watch the film, so they didn't know. That, but all the NFL teams did, you know. So, anyways, um, I, I go meet the kid. Right? I was the only agent to meet the kid. <laughs> Huh. You know, I don't only agent meet the kid. Then all of a sudden, he tells me, "Hey, uh, you know, Texan so sent me a thing to do a background check." You know, this was in December. You know, and we we hadn't signed yet. <laughs> we we're going to sign in January. And I told him, "Hey, that's great news, man, because you know they they might actually be considered drafting you. You know, because uh, they don't want to draft someone that has some bad stuff right. in their background. You right. know, and and then you know." All, you know, after he signs with me, and and, and the cool thing about a kid, he wanted to stay here, and, and this is what I learned from the uh, the previous kid from Boston College. Uh, he wanted to stay and, and go to school, you know. So, uh, okay, man, we're going to stay and go to school. We'll find a trainer here, and he worked out yeah. here. And um, and shoot, then all the teams started coming down and visiting him, and he started traveling, and then there was like, hey, he might get drafted, you know. <laughs> and um, but what hurt that kid was he had a little bit of incident. Um, at Western Kentucky last year, where there was a little bit of scrum on the pile, and he got up. Somebody had touched his back, and he got up just flinging his arms, and it, it was a it was a referee. Yeah, yeah, I remember. <laughs> and he knocked yeah. knocked the guy on the ground, and you know threw him out. They threw him out of the game. So some of the teams were you know worried about that, but um, but yeah, I mean he he kind of just like I said is a god thing, you know just. He just kind of fell in my lap, and we get along really well. And and um, now he's had a really great camp. I was just reading where he's the top one-on-one guy in camp up there. A um, little disappointed the game the other night. He only got about ten snaps, but uh, you know the the situation he's got in Green Bay is good because they have a guy that's going to be suspended for the first four games. So and then of course Raji retired. Yep. Um, and they, yeah, they picked a guy in the first round, but, uh, you know, Green Bay is just a, a unique opportunity. One reason we went there was that they are a team that develops small school guys, they draft you know, up. yep. And, and they'll stick you on the practice squad maybe for a year or whatever, but they'll develop you and get, and if you can play, you're going to play. And, and maybe some of that's because they don't actually have an owner, you know, that's forcing them to, Hey, you got to play the first, first round guy. <laughs> I don't know. But, but, well, here's you know, that was, thing. you mentioned C.L. Bracado. Uh-huh. Thompson is old school. You know, mm-hmm. he's an old, undersized linebacker himself. I remember Ted, let's well, because I'm a million years old. I remember Ted Thompson as a player. And mm-hmm. then his right hand man is Mark Murphy from Colgate, who I remember as a player in college and, of course, obviously a 10 year pro with Washington. Uh, so they're football guys. They're not, you mm-hmm. know, bean counters. They're not, 
I mean, you know, the top two guys in their organization who pick, sign, and keep players are football guys, guys who together spend about 21 or so years in the league uh, mm-hmm. as players. And, you know, they, they're they're forward thinkers in that they keep up with, you know, the state of the art in terms of how you measure certain things. But they're old school in terms of how they go about it. Ted Thompson goes in person to more football games and all-star game practices than any other GM or the equivalent of GM in the league. Mm-hmm. Ask anybody. Ask anybody. Mm-hmm. You think he was a road scout the way he – I mean, the guy is on the road. The guy – I mean, he is – I have such, huge respect for Ted Thompson. I am far yeah. from a, a Packers fan. But I have mm-hmm. – there's no front office guy in the league that I have more respect for than Ted Thompson. He is – he doesn't ask his guys to do anything he won't do himself. He will go and watch – especially if they like a kid, He'll watch six games in person. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and, and you know, and the funny thing is, is you know, we had several teams that were really mad at us for not going. You know, a couple of them he actually visited. Well, he came here and visited. He never visited, you know, Green Bay. And it was like, hey, the Packers have a have a unique situation where they have a history of developing smaller school guys. Um. They actually their their recruiting effort was unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, I I want to say I talked to I didn't talk to Ted, but I talked to almost everybody else, and so did Brian. I mean, from Capers to the D line coach to you know, it was like I mean, it, just as an example, the Bengals took him on a visit, and, and I don't know if they took him on a visit just because other teams did, but they brought him on a visit, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and you know the Bengals only have two scouts or whatever, and, and Marvin say, Lewis. The sm- they've added a couple more guys, but they still have the smallest <laughs> scouting yeah. department by far well, in the NFL. Well, well, this this is a funny thing, right? Think there are the, the Bengals four full timers now, Dan, and two part time <laughs> intern types. I'm not well, kidding. Well, the, I think that's what they are. Where they are now. Oh my gosh. Well, the funny thing is, right, is uh, at, at Brian's pro day here in, at UTSA, I, I you know saw the Bengals show up. You know, there was a young guy at the Bengals. And so I pulled him aside afterwards because I'd never seen him, you know. And I was like, oh, well, when did when did you, you know, the Bengals start sending scouts to pro days, you know. And <laughs> and he's like, um, and I told him who I represent. He's like, oh, well, we came to see him in, in, the, in the tight end. And I was like, oh, okay. And, and then he's like, uh, I forgot his first name, but it's Marvin Lewis's son. And he's a defensive quality control guy. He's not a scout. Yep. And he's like, yeah, yep. I, I was coming here, and then I'm going out to see uh, um, who was the kid from uh, South Carolina State this year. He was flying out to go oh, see him the next Javon day. Javon Hargrave. Javon Hargrave. Yeah. 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 And I think they actually picked him, if I remember correctly. But um, but anyways, I felt that interesting. I was like, they sent a quality control guy to pro days, and he was telling me about how he ran a pro day at one school, and I'm like, okay. And he did. He did. did he, I'm sure he did. He? I'm sure he did. I'm sure he did. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the, the Bengals, the Bengals is all hands on deck. They don't have a whole lot of specialization in their program, my friend. So, I mean, uh, Marvin well, probably ran a couple of pro days. Well, if they, I tell you what, he's probably the sole reason that they're still a decent team. I mean, if they got rid oh. of him, they probably oh. they probably would be horrible. Well, well, let's um, remember what the Bengals looked like previously. I mean, people there were people mad when Marvin got extended. It was like, do you? My God, you have short memories. They're whining about one and none in the playoffs. Really? Yeah. <laughs> really? 
<laughs> yeah. You have no I mean, idea. <laughs> they hadn't been they hadn't been good since the eighties when they had Ken Anderson, you know, prior to <laughs> part of Lewis. Right. I mean there. right. They made it to a Super Bowl. Well they made it yeah, I mean they made it to well, a Super Bowl true. and in fact and in fact yeah, right. And they and in fact Ken Anderson if you I mean, he had two interceptions, but other than that he was pretty much going, you know, dueling it out with Montana. I mean he was he had a very good game other than those two picks. And one of them came late in the game, you know, desperation time. So you know, yeah. one of them almost doesn't count, but he had a really good game. If you look but, at how the other quarterbacks fared against those 49er teams, he wasn't getting beat 55 to, you know, zero or whatever, 20, 55, 20 or whatever. I mean, that was a game they were in to the end, 26, 26, 20, I think that game was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you're right. And that was it. Uh, after that, <laughs> um, yeah, they, you know, well, they went to one, they went to, they, they went to another one, one right with, uh, yeah. But that was Coach like White, a fluke year. And, I say yeah. he wasn't like a <laughs> and the, 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 the Icky Woods, the Icky Woods crew, whatever. But yeah, yeah, that that was not a compelling close game. Is what I was going to say. That was no. the difference. Is that they got handled that side. Yeah, yeah. But but uh, what I was going to say is when they brought Brian there because I they called me up and they're like, hey, we want Brian to go uh, have dinner with Marvin and this and that. <laughs> okay. They fly him in. He gets in there at like nine o'clock Friday night, something like that. Mm-hmm. Didn't get him anything to eat. He ate some crackers that night <laughs> in uh-huh. his hotel room. Uh, goes. They didn't get him breakfast. He goes to the facility Saturday morning. Um, what? You know, they do a physical. He, so he hadn't eaten for you know the whole time. Then. Uh, um, then he goes and meets with uh, uh, the defensive line coach, and the defensive line coach is like, hey, I have to be honest, I don't even know who you are. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> are you kidding me? No, so it was like, well, I guess they just brought him in just because he was going into all the other teams, the Chiefs and the Chargers and the Raiders. <laughs> but... But uh, that's where we and then and then uh, and then actually when the draft came the defense line coach called and said hey we really could use you here you know it was like nah we already wrote wrote them off man <laughs> <laughs> you're the same guy who told you I don't know who you are yeah called them up and uh, but yeah we we uh, we'll use you old what's your name <laughs> yeah but basically you know what I do for those guys you know because I haven't you know Brian was close to being drafted but we 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 kind of do a, a a matrix you know of you know what system do they run you know how many guys do they have you know obviously you take into account green base um you know reputation in in developing younger lower round or undrafted guys um you know that that comes into play uh, Seattle does the same thing you know yep um those are two um, yeah. extremely well-run organizations. And, you know, you just gave us an example that not every organization meets that standard. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, and I'm I'm thinking he, you know, right now the, the thought is is that um, from what I'm hearing is that he's got a really good shot to be on the first 53 and that, uh, you know, maybe after four weeks when the D lineman comes back, and, you know, he may get, you know, make it cut, you know, or wave. Um, but I told him, I said, you know, this is the thing is that you play your butt off those four four weeks, it may be hard to cut. You it may be easier for them to trade the other guy, you know, um, because if they waived you and you played well, the the chances you get picked up are pretty good as a, you know, nose tackle, you know, that, that's doing fairly well. So, 
Yeah, anyway, that one makes uh, so many nose tackles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that run. I mean, he ran, I want to say he ran like a four, uh, five one five at like 3, I think he was like 327 or something. So, I mean, he ran for, he runs pretty good for a big dude. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I just I just feel blessed that hey, I got two guys now opportunity that uh, that uh, were undrafted now, you know, and I know how the business works. It's not all me, but you know, I can at least say hey, I I placed them on teams that that they had the best chance to make it, and here they right. go, you know, and it's it's a selling point now, um, you know, uh, um, you know, I have a couple guys uh, that I'm looking at. One's the safety at Oklahoma State. Um, um, that speaking of smaller safeties that I would love to, you know, that I'm looking at right now, but, uh, and of course the D3 kid, but next year, and next year I've learned it. Hey, uh, even if I have one guy, I, I probably only have two guys that coming out of college. I, I, I don't have the funds to, uh, just, you know, blanketly. I had five guys last year. So I had price. I had Clayton. Um, I had, uh, um, Tony, uh, blue, and then um, um, I had Big Boy there from Morehouse. Um, okay. God, what's uh, – I'm trying to think of his name. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about. I um, I think he was on your show. Um, God, what's his name? Offensive tackle. Oh. Um, I think I know who you're talking about now. Um what was the kid's name? You're right. Uh, hold on. Yeah, I have to. I'll, I can look in my phone, but um, he's from Cal. He's from Oakland. Oh, gosh. Okay, let me think. Um, nah, it's, it's it's passing me. It'll come to me as we talk here. But right, he, he'll come back. He had a he had a good opportunity. I mean, he was a kid uh, that um, you know he was like three hundred eighty pounds. Um, you know, they only really had really interest from one team, the Jets, and you know he was lower down on their their list of guys. Uh, hopefully, we can get him. You know, maybe with a Canadian or, or uh, you know an indoor team if he wants to keep going. Um, that's something that he has to decide. You know, some of the kids just to say, I ain't going to play for $250 a week, you know. Um, you know, Tony Tony uh, uh, actually went and played uh, in the uh, indoor football league. Um, he went with the, went up to the Lions. Uh, they didn't broadcast any of their rookie camp guys for some odd reason. Um, but um, did well enough where he's on their watch list. <laughs> But as we know, that changes day to day. Uh, but uh, he ended up going to Wichita Falls and playing there for the remainder season with them. And then, uh, and then uh, Clayton got into a rookie camp with the Bears, and uh, unfortunately, he uh, got picked up by that Australian league that that has gone the wayside like all other leagues. <laughs> um, and so he's just waiting to hear, and hopefully, we can get him somewhere. Well, you really find out how much someone loves football when, I mean, Kurt Warner is obviously the story we all point to. I mean, the guy is, you know, night stocking at the high V and playing AF2 for 
in those days, I'm sure it wasn't even 250. I don't know what it was, maybe 80, you know, yeah. <laughs> right, 120 maybe. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, it's uh mm-hmm. it's uh you know, some of the and this is the thing it's hard and 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 uh, you know, originally when I got in the business, I, I you know, you just want to sign kids, you know, hey, you know, this and that. And obviously you can't promise them anything. But uh now like I told you uh what we were talking about earlier about how the PA calls us contract advisors not agents. I've realized, you know, I've got to explain this to kids prior to even coming on board because they still have this idea that, especially comes from a small school, all I need is an agent. If I get an agent and he sells me, then I'm going to make it. And it's it's like, no. <laughs> unless unless you have, you know, yeah, if you have the height, weight, and speed that I can sell you on, then possibly somebody would take a shot on you. But that, that shot might only be just a workout, you know. Um and 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 unfortunately, um, you know, uh, sometimes it, it goes a little bit, you know, where guys blame you, uh, <laughs> you know, like, hey, you didn't do enough for me, and it's uh, it's, uh, uh, you know, I, I tell them I, I do all I can do is call up the people I know, and and uh, and if they have an opportunity, they have an opportunity. If they don't, they don't. You know, it's the the business is fluid. <laughs> you know, it's funny, and I, I say this to guys on the show, look, don't put it all on your agent. How can they want it more than you want it? You need to be watching to see who got hurt, you know, who who got into it with the coaching staff. Who? I mean, I hate to say you got to be a bit of a vulture. If you're a small mm-hmm. school kid, you know, you got to be a vulture. You're going to mm-hmm. be coaching somebody else's job. You're unlikely to be drafted. There's a 50-50 shot you'll be brought in under contract. You might be brought in for a tryout. You might be a quote-unquote camp body. But you can go from being a camp body, because Kurt Warner was at one point a camp body, to being a Hall of Famer if you go and knock somebody's head off or, you know, or outplay somebody or whatever it is. You, do, you have to do something. You have to do it fast. You can't wait. You can't get comfortable. You can't work your way into it. If you're mm-hmm. an NAIA player or Division Three or Division Two, you're not working up to anything. You better show yeah. up and just hit somebody. I don't care if you're just lining up to do something. Just hit somebody just to hit somebody. Mm-hmm. Get yelled at. Get something. Get someone's attention. Who is that kid? Why is he starting something? What's he doing? We're not even hitting yet. We're not in pads. Why is he hitting people? I mean, but still, now they've noticed you. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's, uh, it's, yep. it's uh, you know, my you know, my wish would be, actually, now that I've been in the business, I don't have any sway any anyway. But uh, I always tell I tell my two guys they're undrafted or whatever. I said, hey, you guys ever last in the league long enough, and you can affect the players' association. I would like to see them collectively bargain for, you know, the, not not so much it has to be in Europe, but bring back NFL Europe again, bring a D league. You know, it, yeah. it would only benefit the players' association. You have more players. I mean, do and the, I mean for the longest and, time the NBA was yeah. a, didn't want that. You know, and now look what they do. They develop guys. But there is no – that whole happy ending to the Kurt Warner story doesn't happen with NFL Europe, Dan. That's where he got spotted. That's where mm-hmm. the Rams saw him. <laughs> yeah. Well, yep. They were well, watching is... tape with him carving people up in AF2. <laughs> that wasn't how they found him. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It wasn't Barnstormer's it... tape that got him signed. Yeah. 
it was what he did against guys they already kind of liked in NFL Europe. They had to say, mm-hmm. hey, hmm, maybe, you know, we should bring this Warner kid in, you know, and by that time he wasn't really a kid, I guess about 26, <laughs> I think about it, but let's bring him in and see what we've got here. So, yeah, yeah. It, it, took, it took two years in NFL Europe for this guy who you know, that's probably going to be in the Hall of Fame in a year or two to get spotted. After yep. three or four years, two I guess a, a year in AF2 and three or four years in AF1 in the in arena league, the top level arena league, two and two years in Europe, you know now now we get to have the happy ending to this amazing story, but it doesn't happen without a D a D league. If he's just playing in the arena league, he's like um, Aaron Garcia, Jeff Garcia's brother, right? He's setting all the records in the arena league, but that's it. Yep. Well, and it, it just shows you. Uh, there you go. By the way, uh, Alfred Thomas, my guy from Morehouse. Yes, yes, yeah, he has a yeah. big kid. A little, a little bit too yeah. big, in fact, but he has a big kid. Yeah, that was his, his, his issue. I got to him too late, where you know it, it was already coming up on a month away from pro day, you know, um, and and he was a friend of uh, that coach Caesar from Houston that I know, but uh, yeah, I. This is where I realized where the NCAA is a fraud, you know, and, and the NFL works with them, is that they're just using these kids and they're using the NCAA, the, the, at least the Power Five conferences, as yep. minor league system, you know, and the hell with everybody else. And we, why should we develop a minor league when, we, when we're just using this, this other multi-billion dollar business <laughs> as our minor league? It doesn't cost us a dime. It doesn't cost us one thin dime to do it that way. Yep. Yeah, and and I'll tell you something interesting from my perspective, business wise, and I haven't been able to get a, uh, get a hold of the kids, but I'm actually considering. Uh, I've uh, NCA and, and all this stuff about I can't talk to these kids and everything has really ticked me off because, shoot, they they can talk to a kid in middle school if they think the kid can play, you know, and yeah. they're offering scholarships, but yet then they come and tell me. Because, you know, these politicians went to their schools and they passed these laws. They tell me I can't talk to a kid until his senior year. You know, I, I find that very hypocritical because I'm going to be more important in the kid's life business-wise than, you know, I'm, I shouldn't say more important, but just as important. Because if the kid gets his degree, you know, he picked his school and all that, that's important. But sure. for them to be hypocritical and say I can't talk to the kids yet, because I'm going to interfere with their college career and this and that. Yeah, you're talking to a kid the whole time he's in high school. You know, uh, <laughs> what is that? You know, and, and then uh, so I actually have thought about things from a, a strange perspective that I'm an attorney. Here you have a multi-billion dollar business. One of their franchises, which is a, one of the universities that play in it, making millions of dollars, is negotiating with an 18-year-old kid on a contract, which a letter of intent is. Yes, and his family, and they have absolutely no representation. So you're making this kid sign this thing, and he hasn't bargained for anything. You know, and and yes, the letter of intent might have worked back in the day when you didn't have all this money in play, but now you have all this money in play that the kid should be able to bargain for, you know, cost of books, what apartment he's living at, you know, on campus, um, you know, how much you're going to provide in food money, uh, the scholarship, hey, I want, I want, Give me seven years. You pay seven years of scholarship. So if the kid gets takes seven years to get his bachelor or he takes seven years to get a doctorate, hey, he's got seven years. I mean, all that stuff should be negotiated for, you know. And well, so I've, I'm, you and I'm Kane thinking, Coulter need to talk to each other, actually. 
Because you and King Coulter have a lot of similar ideas. Okay. Well, I don't have his. If you give me, can give me his contact information offline. I will. I will. I, will, I know some people around it. I mean, his, I'm sure his information's changed. I knew how to get a hold of him when he was at Northwestern. Um, I don't know where is Kane now. I have to I have to figure that out. Um, I think he was with the Texans for a minute, and then I think he got cut. I have to look. I have to look, figure out where he is. But yeah, you might remember Kane Coulter. And a few other guys uh, started to try to unionize, basically. Yeah. Uh, and they wanted to associate with the AFSCME, the AFSCME, as people call it, uh, yeah. to gain the power to collectively bargain. Now, the mm-hmm. NCAA, as you probably guessed, said that you can't do this. It's you know illegal and it violates the spirit of amateurism. And you know all the stuff they always say when yeah. the kids want something. And... Uh, and Kane Coulter is extremely smart. I mean, I hate to stereotype, but yeah, Northwestern. Uh, yeah. And but he's, I mean, he's he's done research. I mean, he didn't show up like one day with an idea. He had been talking to guys for an idea for a while, and then he saw the the Ed O'Banion uh, case mm-hmm. with Electronic Arts with EA, and saw the way that played out because that started, you know, him to thinking, you know, here's all these people, as you said, making money, lots and lots of it, off of the blood, sweat, tears, pain, effort, everything else that collegiate athletes put forward. And then collegiate athletes are essentially at the mercy of the NCAA for what they can and can't have. And they have to, you know, basically show up hat in hand and ask nicely. And the NCAA did recently throw them some, you know, whatever you call it, uh, additional benefits uh, to include adjustments to, I guess, what they call cost of, true cost of the education and access to food even in the off season, which mm-hmm. to me was shocking, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was I was a D two walk on, so I had access to nothing. But um, yes. I assumed yes. foolishly, I guess, that these kids, these big time programs, if they were sticking around for the summer, were being fed. And I, mm-hmm. to my shock, that it was like, wait, what? When these kids, yeah. and they do stay all year round at the big programs, pretty much all of them nowadays just stay. So yeah. I assumed they were, t- but no, I was wrong. They were like, yeah, no kid, you need to bring pizza money if you're going to stay here and work out during the summer. Good luck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but all the while, your strength and conditioning coach is giving you these things. He's like, hey, I need you to do this in the offseason, that in the offseason. Well, wait, what, what, what? But I'm not being fed? Yeah. You want, me to, you want me to increase my squat to 625, but on what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I, that was mind-boggling to me that that wasn't in play before. So that now has – I guess that hole has been filled now by, by the most recent changes that just happened this past year, I believe. Or I guess around this, this time last year they made those changes. So it's been one year that this has been in place. But, yeah, the NCAA doesn't like being uh, addressed as if it were what you just said, a monopoly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in essence, uh, it is a monopoly that operates, as you said, a multi-billion-dollar business. When you add all the sports together, obviously, there's only really two big revenue producers, and that's what they always come back with. It's because of what we do in football and basketball that we're able to, you know, have steeplechasers get scholarships and censors. Yeah. And but but I know, always counter people. with I always counter with you know. Look at look at the highest paid state employee of every state. I guarantee you, it's a coach at the major university. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know? right, right, I mean, right, right. So, oh, okay, that's that's nice. Um, 
But it just got me thinking is that, you know, actually last year, and I don't know the kid, there was a kid that was going to go to UCLA. I can't remember which school it was, UCLA or Georgia, which worked. But he got burnt by someone pulling a scholarship, so then he ended up at the either UCLA or Georgia and didn't sign a letter of intent. He specifically said, I'm just going to sign my my financial aid package. So it got me thinking that – and then also this whole controversy of Alabama and other schools where we're not going to release you. You know, you, you have to go play at this school. And everything. Well, that's crap. Right, right, right. right. That's, 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 once again, monopoly. That's once again, yeah. proof of monopoly where we're going to allow you to play at this school. That was the thing that Georgia just changed. Georgia was the one school you could count on letting you play in your place until Kirby Smart got there and, and they say Sabanized. And, of course, Georgia fans are excited about this. They love the mm-hmm. Sabanization of their program, um, which has upsides and downsides. Now, the upside, of course, is that they're going to break through the nine-win barrier, I guess, is which, you know, that's what they carry about, care about. Is, you yeah. know, we, we don't win the FTC East. You know, we'll worry about how our kids are being treated later, but that's now Georgia changed that. So now, yeah. you know, you have to play outside of the conference. Um, if you're playing the transfer out of Georgia. Well, well even, even, the, even the thought of, of going to basically your, your, and I hate using this term, but your master to ask, can I please go, you know, play at this school? Can I leave the plantation? Yes, yeah. that's what you're saying. May I go yeah. to a different plantation? <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. It's, and that's what I'm saying is that somebody needs to be in the in the room with these parents. Because every and other student, to... if a student decides, hey, I'm just not liking it here, I'm going to Purdue, they go to Purdue. Yeah. <laughs> There's no yeah. having well, to it, ask permission. And it's, it's other crazy stuff, too. Like, I, I actually have sons that play small school football, and I had one that he actually was recruited by D1 and, and some D2 and and as a dad, I didn't realize that don't piss off the – well, I should have realized, but don't piss off the high school coach and everything will get taken away. Um, that happened yeah. with one. But he went to a yeah. D3 school. He gave him a lot of money, but um, didn't things didn't work out the way he wanted to. He was going to go walk on at some of these D1 schools that, that had recruited him and come find out that even go from a D3 school to a D1, he's got to sit out a year. <laughs> yeah, and lose a year and lose like a year of eligibility, and I was yeah. like, "What?" And and uh, apparently, now, I guess you can you can petition to get that year back retroactively. Um, okay, and some, so, yeah. Some players have have successfully managed to do that. The here's the other thing: the NCAA's rules and regulations on whatever are incredible. You're a lawyer, luckily, are incredibly mm-hmm. Byzantine. Um, and I'm not a lawyer, but I've been around and I've read a lot of the stuff and I keep up with things. So I know a lot of the compliance stuff. And I, I probably, if you gave me six months and I didn't have to go to like my normal job and work, if I had six months to just learn everything, I could be mm-hmm. a, a compliance officer, for, you know, in terms of like what goes on and what doesn't go on or shouldn't go on. But it takes a good six months of hard study, even if you're a fairly bright individual, to grasp a lot of what is in there. Uh, mm-hmm. It is clearly written, once again, by attorneys for attorneys, not by attorneys for 17- or 16-year-olds. No, uh, it is yeah, for their parents. Exactly. <laughs> it's, 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 it, and it's, it's ludicrous. It, the crazy thing is, read read books about Bear Bryant, you know, and, and even before uh, him. I mean, <laughs> gosh, I, I, I was reading a book. That was fascinating. Um, I'm sure you you've heard of the Junction Boys, right? At Bear Bryant. Oh my gosh! Well, yeah. Well, you go to jail for the stuff that you did, did <laughs> in those days. 
Well, <laughs> forget there, suspicion. Yeah, there was, but uh, but there was a the, the guy that wrote that book wrote another book about um, oh, it was like a boys' home here in Fort Worth that yes, when high uh, school football, Coach Russell, yes, the, the yeah. spread offense, the birth of the yeah. spread offense. That I know that it's the Masonic Boys' Home. And mm-hmm. he was he was coaching two teams simultaneously. One a big time program. That's how he could afford to do the other one. And then uh, Highland, he was in Highland Park. He was coaching at Highland Park as well. As well, which is yeah. where Clayton Kershaw and uh, uh, Matthew Stafford and a bunch of others uh, have come out mm-hmm. of Highland Park. So he's coaching mm-hmm. literally at two schools at the same time, which I don't think he could do nowadays either. No, but the point is no. that Coach Russell, yeah, Aunt Aunt Russell, and okay. he gives birth. Because he's looking at his kids, they called it his termites. I think mm-hmm. they called his kids at at, at uh, the boys' home. I mean, his average weight of his players literally was 120 something pounds. And mm-hmm. so, you know, even in those days, in the late 1940s, you know, you couldn't go out and beat people with 127 pounds. You know, team. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that. Even in 1940 something, that wasn't happening. In Texas, mm-hmm. particularly. So he developed the spread offense, as you know. I mean, it. He, he stole some stuff from Dutch Meyer, the coach at SMU, and a few others. But a lot of the stuff he transferred over because Dutch Meyer was doing his version of spread offense out of the single wing, basically. Mm-hmm. He took it and mm-hmm. modified it to work with the team formation. And then he invented some things as well. So some of it came out of his own head. Mm-hmm. But he did that because he wasn't going to be able to run power eye. You know, he wasn't going to be dominating people at the point of attack. He looked at his team and said, okay, we're not going to we're not going to beat anybody in the trenches. So how can we mm-hmm. go in football games? And he mm-hmm. developed this offense. He used it at both schools. Once he, he developed it for the kids at Masonic, the Masonic boys home. And then he took it over to Highland park where he had uh Doak Walker and, um, Oh God, I can't remember who his quarterback was in that team now, but he had a, a, a stud quarterback and Doak Walker and it worked even better. You know, <laughs> once mm-hmm. he had mm-hmm. great players as opposed to a bunch of undersized, underfed orphans, but, yeah, but yeah, well, I, he I, won both I remember, I remember reading about him though, and I can't remember where it was. But what I got from it though was people gambling on the games. Oh. I mean, paying the high school kids. That, oh, the certain handshakes. Yeah, yeah, and 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 it leads me to well, not only that, but um, the other part that got me was it was okay for a kid to sign an autograph and get paid. You know, in those days. You know what? What changed? I mean, there's a way to monitor it now, where where a kid could be in college, and, and I'm going to just name say like a Tim Tebow, who's Tebow, who's never going to be, he's just not going to be a pro quarterback, you know? Nope. And so you know, why can't that kid? Now, yeah. Why can't that kid monetize? You know yeah. his his yeah. his time in college while he's there. Yeah. You right. can monitor he, it. All, now he, all did, he did. He did at the pro at the pro day. He was able to do a, a when he had his Florida pro. Day, he did a paid signing. But you're right. Yeah. As long as he had college eligibility, he could not do that. Yeah, but he should be able to. All the guys, I mean, the, their argument is, well, a booster might come in and overpay. Well, you can monitor that. Just have him <laughs> fill out some forms, you know, <laughs> saying, I mean, their teams are already cheating, you know. I mean, come on. Yeah. You know, so well, why why can't the kid, you know, make some money off of that when, when uh, you know, or, again, even their stupid letter of intent crap, you know, and no, oh, you can't go here, you can't do that. No, that 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 that's holding a kid hostage, and, and then the and then yeah. the coach can just up and leave. And Anytime. he knows as well as he knows as well as I do. 
Most kids are not going to the college because of the college. They're going because which, which is a serious mistake, and well, that's for another show, I guess. But yes, <laughs> I advise it, whenever a young person comes to me, I say, "What do you like about the school?" And they'll say a couple <laughs> little mealy mouth things, and it comes right back around to the coach. Like that's cool and everything. You realize that mm-hmm. coach could be fired after the first game if they want to, or mm-hmm. he can decide to leave at any point if he wants to. What if an NFL mm-hmm. team calls, or what if a bigger school calls? How many guys mm-hmm. say no? I mean, it does occasionally happen. Tom Herman turned down some offers, but it's, it's the exception. It's not the rule. When, you know, usually when the call comes in from wherever, the, the, the call is usually answered, and the answer is usually yes. So mm-hmm. if this guy leaves tomorrow, will you still be happy there? If the answer is no, you shouldn't go there. Yeah. Yeah. But unfortunately, most of the guy will, you know, most of the guys. It's either the, it's one of the, you know, underling coaches that calls them and recruits them that they fall in love with, right. or the actual head coach, you know. Um, and it's, uh, and I agree with you. I mean, you, you need to go for the. Do you like the campus? Do you like the academics? You know, do, do you fit into that culture? You know, when you right. go there, do you feel like, hey, did you I make can a friend on the team or two when you were there for your visit? I mean. Are there things, like I said, if this guy leaves tomorrow, what sometimes happens, will, are there other things that would keep you there? Mm-hmm. But, I, but even in saying that, I find it criminal that you don't allow a kid to just up, why can't a kid just up and leave? I mean, I understand the theory <laughs> of it, but then why do you let the coaches just up and leave? Then you need to have a, yeah, well, you know. They're, they're okay with a bidding warfare for the coaches. They're okay with a bidding war. In fact, they, they kind of like it. When mm-hmm. there's headlines blazing, you know, record deal for Saban, record deal for whoever it is, Sumlin, whoever it is, whatever coach it is, who gets a record, you know, whatever number deal it is, that builds the interest. People are like, oh, my God, I can't, you know, controversy, and how, I can't believe they're paying the coach that, and blah, 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 right, right? But it's still people talking about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It builds the, 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 you know, the Twitter and everything else all goes crazy. But. Here's the issue. If there's a bidding war for the players, um, it hurts their uh, stockholders. I'm going to put it. I mean, their stakeholders, I guess. I It hurts the Michigan State or whoever it is gets hurt when Michigan is able to raid their – I mean, think about yeah. if Harbaugh was allowed to start picking off the best players off of Michigan State's roster and bringing them over as – Free agents, in essence. No, I, yeah. Oh my God! No, I, <laughs> now, I, 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 now, I, I mean, I wouldn't. I, I personally wouldn't mind, but Michigan State sure as heck would. <laughs> no, and I, I could see that. I mean, I, I think, but I think they could do. There, there still could be rules where they don't allow the teams to recruit other kids on other teams. You know, but at the same time, not restrict the kid. If you know, hey, if I'm at Michigan State and I want to go play for Michigan, then. You know, why should I have to sit out a year? You know, or right, but here's, not here's, only that. here's what I'm saying. When Michigan State plays Michigan, the guys who met each other at Elite 11 or met each other at whatever camp it is, they talk anyway. But imagine if yeah. there weren't all these restrictions in place. This is what the NCAA's nightmare scenario is. Yeah. You know, the quarterback or the wide receiver or whatever is, you know, you know, they're the handshakes or heck, even during the game. Hey, bro, I mean, no offense, but I've been on your campus, I've been on my campus, you know. You know, hit me up after the game or whatever it is. I mean, yeah. you know, and then eight kids transfer, you know, and up their transferring the next day. I mean, that's their nightmare scenario. And could it happen? The answer is yes, it could. Now, yeah. once again, the answer in the real world, because 
nothing stops Google from getting the people, the best people at Yahoo if they decide they, they want them to come work there. So if you're looking at a real-world scenario, it's step your game up. Figure out a way to keep your best assets because <laughs> mm-hmm. that's how it works in the real world. If we're trying to teach mm-hmm. people real-world lessons about value and, and, and opportunities, that's what you would do. But that's not what the instability is about, Dan. You know what nine is. Yeah. Well, and, and, and you know, and you know too that the, the guys that are generally transferring are, are guys that maybe you you know they get pushed down the death chart and they they're not happy and they want to play somewhere you know and it's right. like and, and and as I know how this business works too is is sometimes one system may not benefit you as another system could you know right. and and your sure. talents might be better in another system so I, I guarantee you there well. There's probably hundreds of kids every year that never get the opportunity to play in the NFL because they're just on the wrong system, you know, and then they get pushed down and they're in the depth chart. And they're probably just as good athletes as any other kid, but just because of, you know, that they can't transfer or, you know, um, you know, it's just, it's the NCAA is, they, in my view, they're they're gonna they're gonna be obsolete in ten years. You know the way. I mean, I've heard rumors where they're talking about, you know, there may be only an NCAA for like basketball and other sports, but football is gonna go. The Power Five guys are gonna go create their own. You know, scenario. That has been the rumor for some time, and if that happens, two things will happen. You're right. One is it eventually will be the. It'll mean the slow, you know, death by a thousand cuts eventually of the NCAA itself because once it loses. It's like saying, well, you know, we're, the whole car is not leaving, but we're taking the manifold, uh, we're taking the carburetor, oh, and the pistons. You can keep the rest of the car, mm-hmm. but how far is it going to go, right? So yeah. if they lose football, I mean, let's be honest, basketball is cool and everything, and they could limp on for a while with just basketball and the other sports, but basketball is going to be looking around a year, two years max later thinking, well, why are we holding up the sinking ship? You know, and they're going to go, and then once that happens, you know, the game's up. You know, you're not going to be able to sell yeah. softball, baseball, uh, rowing, tennis, uh, you know, wrestling and uh, archery and golf and track and field, oh. you know, to the extent that you can keep the, the whole thing going. You know, that's not going to no, happen. No, I, I agree. I can see where it actually ends up limiting the amount of sports that they can offer. You know, oh, well, they wouldn't offer any of them if they lose the two, they lose the big two. The whole thing's gone, and now yeah. the schools themselves will have to figure it out on their own, or at yeah. the conference level, or it'll happen at the conference level without an overarching governing body. Now, there there is a potential downside. Is as you mentioned, we could go back to the days of you know hundred. Well, it won't be fifty dollar handshakes. I guess it'll be like two hundred dollar handshakes or whatever inflation mm-hmm. uh, would account for, and you know buying people you know vehicles and girls coming to young men's homes in the middle of the night. and I mean, the stuff mm-hmm. kind of still goes on, but it, it'll be open. I mean, it'll be, you know, Wild West time. Yeah. But, but, but if the conferences are left to regulate it themselves at that point, there's no other body, you know, saying you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you will see some very interesting things happen. Some of the conferences will probably do a better job, frankly, than it was, and then some of them will be, uh, how do I put this, less involved uh, yeah. in enforcement. Uh, so you'll see some interesting disparities. And the kids who really care about education will find their way to, you know, certain places. And the kids who, I didn't come here to play school, as as, as we, as a, a philosopher and poet, Cardell Jones, once said, I didn't come here to play mm-hmm. school, um, mm-hmm. will find their way to other institutions where there'll be a little less 
involved in enforcement <laughs> and, 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 and some funny things will happen. Um, yeah. You'll have and some. That's, and that's where, I, and that's where I, I would wish that you would have that D-League come in, you know, because then that could give another alternative to a kid, you know, that, hey, you know, come come play in this D-League, you know. Uh, I mean, obviously, uh, they probably would put in that two-year, or I know it's three years, but, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just, the NCAA, it's, it's just, uh, it's again, it's ludicrous. Because the other thing that makes me mad about the schools is that, you know, um, and the one thing I know, I used to be mad about the Player Association, but I realize now they're actually on my side with this United Athletes Asian Act, is that the NCAA yep. and the schools got in and they passed this stupid law where, hey, you know, i got to register with every state that I want to talk to a kid that's at their school. Well, <laughs> how come you don't make the universities do that? You know, they don't register. And, and then, right. And then, right. If Tennessee this, wants to go recruit a kid from Delaware, they don't have to, you know, pay a tax or a toll or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, they can just call them up. Well, no, I can't do that. And then, and then it's they collude because they're like, say Texas. The state law basically says, and the reason they did this because it's against First Amendment rights. They actually say that yes, I can send information to a kid, but I also have to send it to the to the uh, athletic director. So they put that in play because they could get sued on a First Amendment, you know, situation that hey, you're limiting. But they collude with the schools because then what the schools do is they have you register with them, and in their specific requirements, they say that you agree that you will not contact our student athletes. <laughs> you know, so it's like, well, wait a second. The law says that I can, you know, but but if I want to <laughs> register with you and I want to be able to be on a – because you know full well if I was just to register with them and then I, then I get caught contacting a kid – and I still comply and send it to the, the athletic director, you know that they'll talk bad about me and they'll guide the kid towards someone else. Or they won't right. let me, you know, talk to their kids. Yeah, so right. you're, you're like in the catch-22. It's like, okay, the law says I can talk to the kid and the parents as long as I just send you what I'm sending them, but you're telling me I can't. You know, so what, you know, basically you left me – in a situation, and it, and it goes all the way back to the big agencies that we originally were talking about, is that they have relationships with athletic directors, with coaches, that they ended up with the benefit of doubt, and the rules help them and hurt the smaller guys, <laughs> you know, if you actually comply with them. And to me, that's one of the great challenges, well, I'm assuming, I mean, you would know, but you would, I'm assuming it's one of the great challenges to figure out how to play the game within the rules of the road, be a, you know, a quote-unquote good guy, um, not cut corners, all of this stuff, and still manage to just stay alive financially, that's got to be a super difficult thing to do early in your career as an agent. Oh, it's, it's extremely. Like I said, I lost $75,000 in three years because I was registering with every state. I was sending information to kids. You know, I register, uh, um, like, <laughs> Well, let's go back. You know, it's only been in the last 10, 15 years that the PA has required all this stuff. And you got to think back to, you know, Drew Rosenhaus. Well, he's got, you know, more clients than anyone else. Well, how did he get started in the business? Well, he was, a you know, a, a, a student at U of M, uh, the yep. U, when they were dominating the 80s, and he befriended all these guys. You know, right. same with Jimmy Sexton. Same with Jimmy Sexton. 
you know, he, he happened to be a guy that roomed across the hall from him at University of Tennessee, happened to be the, one of the greatest defense linemen of all time, Reggie White. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and so these guys just were like, oh, yeah, I'll represent you when they're in their 20s, you know, representing guys. And now they've created the business. And, and I understand you want to protect the players a little bit, but, I mean, some of it I realize that a lot of it is, you know, just like the rest of the real world, big corporations have the money to lobby and pass stuff, whether it be with the union or with the state, and they pass stuff to make it harder for competition to come in. <laughs> and, uh, and, and if you're going to, if you're going to go and follow every regulation, which I, you know, I try to do, I mean, I'm sure there's something here and there, which I, I, I didn't do exactly right, but, um, you know, you're, 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 I'm not making, you know, last year Jonathan played at the minimum salary. I uh, I want to say that, you know, I charged him $9,000. Well, I spent well over that training the five guys I had, you know. Right. So I, didn't, I lost money last year on the NFL side of the business that I do. Um, you know, I mean, uh, and now, I, I don't know if you're aware, but now they changed the, the standard representation agreement where yeah. it used to, you know, it used to have, you know, 3%, 2.5%, 2 Now my understanding, I, I don't know how they wrote it, but at least my understanding is the 1.5% is first, you know. And so uh, I don't know if it's going to change a lot of things because, you know, now now – before when I would talk to a kid, I wouldn't really get into the nitty-gritty of, hey, it's going to cost this amount to house you and this amount to, you know. Now, you know, I'll say, hey, if you want to pay for all your costs, I'll, I'll represent you for one and a half, <laughs> you know. But if you want this paid and that paid, and you know, I, I got to – it's a business. I got to make some money, you know. Um, and, and I'm also honest with the kids too that the, I tell them, I said, you know, actually your first contract, the reason I charge you the three percent is because of what I'm paying. But other than that, um, you know, if 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 a kid's a first round kid, I mean, you know, you don't need the the way everything's slotted now. You really don't need an agent, you know, to, to quote unquote negotiate. You know, right. I mean, other. But, but at the same time, negotiate. The, the team knows what it's going to pay. The player knows what he's going to get. <laughs> exactly. There you go. And and really, our our reason for being in the process when their kids are coming out now is more just to guide them, you know, to say, okay, and to, and to deflect, you know, whether it be press or, you know, or teams calling so they don't get inundated. And, to, and, and like I said, guide them. Like my guys that are undrafted, you know, I do a report for them. We do a study on the coaches' systems, you know, just kind of give them some background that, hey, this is probably the best place for you to go if you're not drafted, you know. Um, um, but I, I'm honest with the kids. I said, you know, whether you're drafted or you're undrafted, you're going to get paid a certain amount. I can't really change that too much. I mean, there's there's certain language we can argue about, what's going on with Joey Bosa. But um, but other than that, you know, um, I, I mean, the, 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 there's just not – this is not the days where we're – and then, then also I'm honest with them too is that, you know, the, under the Players Association now, any contract, I want to say, uh, I might be wrong on the amount, but I think it's any contract that's over $2 million, um, they basically have sent us stuff that says we have to send them, you know, everything that we get from the team before we agree to it. 
So they they look over it. So it's you know I, that's where I try to sell the kids on. Even if you go with a big agency, they're still handcuffed by the. And I don't want to say handcuffed, but monitored is probably a better word by the players' association. So everything right. is really you know yes we're negotiating for you, but the players' association is also there for you. So you know we're just representatives of the players' association for the most part. It's kind of a kind of a unique standard and, and uh I know that some agents feel that the the union is trying to knock us out, which you know, sometimes I feel that too, but I think we have a we give them enough revenue stream with new agents coming in with the test and the money we pay each year that I don't see why they would want to kick us out. Right. Well the thing that and of course like I said, um Greg Linton had a really nice when this what you just talked about came out he had a really nice response to it. He explained a lot, but you explained and he went in even further how it's meant to entice players into aligning against their own interest in many ways. Uh, because if you do convince players that they should uh, back a move, and it looks, well, again, it looks enticing. Hey, I'd like to save this extra 1.5%. That's more in your pocket, blah, 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 blah. But it means you're going to cut down on the number of agents you're going to bring down the number of opportunities, choices that you have to make. It's going to run a lot of small and medium-sized agencies out of business. So now yep. your choices are limited. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I, I, I agree. I, well, I mean, I think, and I'm sure you heard about the whole hullabaloo up in Indianapolis, and I wasn't there. I didn't go. But, um, you know, I, and I was one, um, and, and I got into a, a tweeting discussion with uh, Andy Studebaker about this, but um, where they actually wanted to limit our, you know, actually limit our, our fees even lower than 3%, you know, and uh, and that's where basically my feeling was is that, well, here they go, they had a meeting with the top top agents that have the most players, and here we go again where you're you're limiting, you're making it corporate, you're, which shocks me from a union perspective, you know, is that you're dealing with a multi-billion-dollar corporation in the NFL, and yet you want to make all the agents, you know, all the players, basically represented by a few corporate agencies. I mean, it, to me, it just—I don't know. I it, it boggles my mind because I'm not a big, I, I'm, uh, you know, obviously we got to have corporations, but uh, I don't <laughs> like how the whole world is going to, you know, for uh, here I am in San Antonio, Texas, where Southwestern Bell basically re-put the Mama Bell back together and, you know, took over AT&T several year, years ago, you know. And it's like right back to where they were when they broke them up, you know. And it's right. it's kind of the same thing I'm seeing you know, from the football perspective is that, okay, we're only, we only want to have, you know, 10 agencies, you know, these mega agencies, and all the players go to them. Well, you know... What kind of uh, to me? I'm more. Let's have more people and more thought. You know, you might someone might be able to uh, um, challenge the way things are done. I mean, one thing I would love to see in football is is uh, and I was rooting for um, with the quarterback there with the Seahawks. What, what's the name? Um, um, gosh, Russell Wilson. Uh, yeah, yeah, when his agent, you know, coming from the baseball world, they're trying to get more, you know, make a guaranteed contract. Cuz you know, right. you know, in the NBA and the in the MLB, 
um, from my understanding, and I may be wrong on this, but from everything I had heard, it was that, that their guaranteed contracts weren't actually collectively bargained for. It was, you know, some player and agent together, you know, were, were able to get this in the contract language, and then that all of a sudden became the norm. You know, right. that, hey, you know, they were going to get these guaranteed contracts, and God, I would love to see football be there where something's guaranteed. Because like I said, I mean, dealing with guys on Tuesdays that, that could be cut, I mean, you know, you're feeling for a guy. You know, knowing that, man, he could get cut on Tuesday, and yes, okay, he just got paid $20,000 this week, but now he's cut, and, you know, what does he do? <laughs> you know? Um, but if, if, so that's if, why those parents are so big on education. <laughs> yeah. Get your degree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm even talking about guys that have degrees. I mean, you know, I, I know eventually they get a job, but I mean, it, it would be better in, in say balancing your your budget and your life if you knew that. Hey, you know, I'm playing for four hundred fifty thousand dollars this year, but at least, you know, one hundred fifty is guaranteed. You know, of this this. Right. Yearly salary, so that I know that at least you know budget wise. And I'm not saying that a 20 year old, a lot of them won't budget anyways. But you, I'm just looking at it from perspective of, hey, you know, you're not making 450 first off because of the taxes. But you know, if you kind of had some guaranteed money, then maybe life would be a, a little bit. Um, you could plan a little bit better. Uh, right. I don't. I don't know. I, I just, it, it, but my point is, is that kind of what you're saying about Greg. When you when you limit your choices of who to go to, and I know there's like almost 900 of us now, so it's it's almost, you know, like oh my god. But most most guys aren't speaking to 900 agents. You know, they're probably getting uh, data with maybe maybe 20 to I, 30. I'm not to speak to 900 agents. <laughs> What's that? I don't think anybody. Speaks to 900 agents. I would, I would hope. No, yeah, yeah. Well, even the top guys, because I mean, the top guys, you know, nowadays, like I said, it's, it's sometimes. I mean, yes, they have Twitter and all that, but some of the guys just completely get off that, you know, and you can't, you know. Um, but, um, but anyhow, uh, yeah. When you start doing the one and a half, and then guys like me, and, and you know, uh, um, you know, uh, I guess does Greg is his agency by himself, or is he with uh, uh, someone he has else? A partner, um, I can't remember his partner's name now, but they together have Hall of Fame sports representation. Okay. That is what their business is called together. Yeah, and I, I yeah, follow him a little bit. On, I follow him on Twitter, so I wasn't sure, like you know. Um, but no, I, I. So there's only two of them. So yeah, I know Danny just signed a big deal, but even then, I mean, his big deal doesn't really. I mean, it pays off, but. You know, say if I don't know all the clients he had, but if it was only Danny, you know, and you're only getting one and a half, I mean, that's not even worth it. You know, I mean, it's <laughs> it's, it's it's like okay, I get one payday, one big payday every four years. You know, it's like the rest of the time I'm 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 scra- scratching around for for pennies. You know, um, right, right, and. and and I know uh, maybe some people are, um, rub, might rub the wrong way, saying, "Hey, wait a second, you're dealing with twenty million dollars," and it's like, "Well, you know, do what one and a half but, percent but of twenty million is." People don't put into their con- their consciousness how much you've paid to get to that point. Exactly. As you said, you've housed some of these guys, you've flown these guys places, you've fed some of these guys, you've sent them to wherever they've worked out, you've 
some cases bought them clothing. I mean, people don't realize yes. how much agents do. <laughs> yeah. And how much players have come to expect. And you mentioned the Jerry Maguire thing, and, and Greg has a love-hate relationship, I guess you could say, with that movie. Um, he thinks that that movie has hurt the the the, the role and hurt the the industry in that people have unrealistic expectations on both ends, both players and some of the young agents, because they mm-hmm. sort of grew up on Jerry Maguire, and it's you know it's an awesome feel good movie, and you know we you should enjoy it as that, but it doesn't. So much is where really good, more hard eyed, realistic, you know, the Coen Brothers or somebody, or uh, who else is like a like a more um, who's, uh, the Ridley Scott or somebody to so do like a more mm-hmm. hard eyed, realistic. Here's what it's really like being a 42 year old agent with 120 thousand dollars in debt who's going after this client who might end up putting them back on track or putting you out of business to bring about what happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you're, you're skirting. That would you're be a movie. Line. Yeah, because, <laughs> I mean, I, the movie probably would have been more realistic if they, if, if say, um, he was going after the, because he was going after the guy coming out of college. This guy wouldn't, you know, I mean, realistically, the guy, he wouldn't probably, he probably wouldn't have kept you know, uh, uh, um, Cuba, Cuba, you know, his, Rod, his, Rod uh, his, uh, yeah, there you Rod go. His, um, yeah. he wouldn't, he wouldn't have kept him. He would have been, okay, see you later. Now he's trying to get that guy out of college, you know? Right. <laughs> and that's, that right. would have been the more realistic version of it is like, okay, now he's out of college and then, all right, I'm going to send you for, you know, $20,000, you know, for eight weeks to train and <laughs> you know, all this, all this kind of crazy stuff. But, but I here's mean, the thing. Um, in, that movie was twenty over twenty years ago. People weren't doing that in those days. Yeah, people weren't right. spending you're twenty right. grand to go. To, it's amazing how quickly so much has happened. I remember the first yes. time I heard of people, quote unquote, opening a combine speed school. It was just twenty two, twenty three, something like years. I mean, this is the first one. The oldest one was only twenty some odd years ago. This whole yeah. industry, well, which is now well, everywhere. Tell me if I'm wrong, because I like to tell I like to tell kids that because uh, I tell them the same thing is that um, that stupid Mike Mamula guy, man. I'm a I'm a huge Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles fan, so if that fool never jumped up in the draft like he would, that never you know the industry. I'm sure people still would have trained, but not to. It happened a lot it. faster. It happens. Yeah, I mean Tom he went Shaw from what? and Parisi, and he went yeah. to uh, Parisi. I'm pretty sure, but yeah. But but here's the thing, here's you guys used to go to their track coach right a couple of weeks before the combine. I can't go to his track coach like I gotta run the forty, and the track coach would be like, oh well, here's what you're doing wrong. Um, you need to get your knees higher. You need to be in your drive phase longer. Like they would tinker with them and send them on their merry way. And I, I don't know if they even bought the guys lunch. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. there certainly was no twenty thousand dollars changing hands. Well, see, I, mean, I remember. And that's where you bring up, like I was just talking about, like Rosenhaus and Jimmy Sexton. I mean, that's they. That's when they got in the business. So, I mean, you didn't even really need hardly any money in your pocket. You know, it was just like, right. yeah, I'll represent right. you. You know, and then they broke in and they've become multimillionaires. Right. Well, the, and now, the startup cost. The startup cost in 1991 was well, I need a fax machine, uh, I need some business cards. Um, <laughs> 
You know, I probably need to upgrade my car so I look more successful, but I'll lease it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, I need a better suit. I need some Ray-Bans, right? I mean, I think the yeah. Drew Rosenhaus's original startup cost was probably like eight grand. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, if that. I mean, uh, I need one. I need one really nice suit. That's gonna cost me about a grand. All I know is I want to say I want to say he was at law school at, at, yes, at uh, he was. Miami. He was in his second. So, I mean, he, he, he might have been. He, 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 he got Warren on. He got Warren Sapp as a he got Warren Sapp as his first client when he was mm-hmm. a second year law student at University of Miami. That is correct. <laughs> He was a second-year law student. <laughs> it's crazy, man. I mean, like I said, he might have been using like a – well, obviously, I don't think they had email back then, but I mean uh, – um, But he, he probably was using – He did have a fax machine. He was – he did have oh, a fax did he? machine. I okay. remember okay. – yeah, he bought a fax machine. I think it might have been secondhand, but he didn't buy a fax machine. <laughs> <laughs> and, see, I would have loved to get and him he did business, get business back cards. then. I mean, now that I, now that I look back at it, what I should have done when I was in college, you know, instead of just trying to play basketball, I should have, you know, called my friends and said, hey, you know, I plan on going to law school. You let me represent so, uh, you, you know, the NBA. Right, exactly. <laughs> right, while you're out there on the court, you've been handing out business cards. Hey, you're pretty yeah. good. Uh, come see me after the game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you know, as a kid, you're not having that foresight. You know, and that's the funny thing is, uh, is uh, Quite a bit of the agents that, that you meet never actually even play the sport, you know. And it's sure. It's like, and even some of the scouts, but um, you know, and it's like, well, you know, it's something that I counsel my my own children on now. And like I said, they got two of them playing small school, but my one, I, I've already talked to him about. Hey, you know, um, let me try to get you an NFL internship. You internship, know, at, exactly you, right. <laughs> you know. Hey, you know, because you're only five, you're five ten, two thirty five, but you're playing a small school. You know, best chance you have is playing arena football, where you're going to get banged up. Why don't you go into coaching? You know, and 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 uh, and like I said, or I'm always scouting a or you know player personnel or you know, uh, I mean, I don't know if if I could do it all over again. You know, if I couldn't be bigger, stronger, or faster, and I probably couldn't arrange that part. But if I could just do it all over again with my, what I know now, I would have tried to get into yeah, the evaluation side of it more aggressively, you know, I would have, I mean, I hung around the coaches all the time anyway. I would have said, hey, you know, want me to help you chart tendencies? I mean, I probably should have just gone ahead and done that because the world wasn't knocking down doors for 174-pound free safeties who ran 4.67 ever. Like that never was mm-hmm. a a high-demand thing at any, mm-hmm. at any point in American history. So if I at age 19 or 20 had foreseen Hey, I am not very big or fast, and I'm not going to get bigger or faster. No matter how much I lift or what I eat, this is pretty much what I'm going to be. I need to, you know, I hang around coaches all the time. Anyway, I need to stop just, you know, picking their brains and, you know, because I was worried about trying to get better. I mean, mm-hmm. which is, you know, good and everything. But I've been thinking, look, dude, look at you. You know, like here's what you should yeah. be doing. Here, yeah. Hey, how do I do what you do? How do I get? And this is, a, and it kind of goes back to the Sam Carter thing that I was talking, we were talking earlier about, but, uh, you know, and I, I want to say that it was uh, Shasky. Um, I don't know. I follow him on Twitter. He's one of the agents, but he's talking about, you know, the problem with um, less, there's not a, the minority coaching situation, you know, hey, coach. Oh, and, yeah. and, and my thing, my thing is, is it kind of what we're talking about is that all, all these kids are focused on the playing, 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 and no one's getting in their head and saying, hey, man, um, 
you know, there's an opportunity on the coaching side and an opportunity on the scouting side and the management side, you know, and no one's pushing those kids in that, that direction, which creates the, the foundation to bring these guys up, you know, um, because, again, it, it kind of goes back to the older scouts. Okay, when I first got in, I see the older scouts, the guy, Mr. Bricado, and okay, okay. And then, like I said, I stepped away from the agent side for about, three years, so I didn't go to any pro days or anything. And then I come back a year ago, two years ago, and I, I see <laughs> guys that are there. Yeah, they're younger, but then I, I noticed that there's absolutely no diversity. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, and, 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 and I'm like, you know, where – and I got talking to some of these scouts, and, I, you know, I'm not getting mad at the young kids or anything but um, that are scouts, but I, they tell me, like, uh, oh, yeah, I interned in the University of Michigan Athletic Department, you know, and I'm yep. thinking – how come no one's telling other kids that think that they don't make it? Hey, go this route, you know. There's and you can be part of the business. You may not be the guy on the field, but you could be the guy putting the, that team on the field together. You could be the the puppet master, you know. Right. And there's nothing right. there's nothing wrong with being that guy, you know. No. I've, um, I mean, I remember Lewis Riddick, right? I saw him when he arrived at Pitt, and I was like, hey, I mean, I liked him as a player, you know. I was like, mm-hmm. hey, this guy's, you know got good size, you know, he, he thinks the game well. And I watched Lewis Riddick's entire athletic career until it ended about, you know, at the age of about 27, 28, which is about average, you know. That's pretty mm-hmm. good, in fact. He managed to play that long. And then he very wisely went into scouting and was a director of player personnel by the time he was, what, 37? Something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, he did that pretty quickly for him, and now he's in jumps yet another into the <laughs> – yet another jump into the media side of it. But he, he got there because – he took advantage of the opportunity to parlay, you know, his experience as a player, obviously, and his mind, you know, most importantly, that he developed for the game into evaluation. Yeah. But yeah. But people don't have that conversation early enough with a lot of players. Yeah. Especially well, when a guy – yeah. yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say that's why with my own kids, you know, I, I've told them, like, my son transferred and he's, he's going to top D3 program. That's where he ended up going. He decided that, hey, I'd rather go win than go play for, you know, a D1 program that's probably not going to win the teams that he was going to go play for. And uh, and so I told him, I said, hey, they have these internships. I'm going to reach out, you know, and they have minority internships they need to fulfill that, um, you know, for training camp, for 10 days, you go there and watch yep. someone's jock, you know, and they cut up film, right. you know, yep. and, and, and you work hard and then maybe you get noticed, you get noticed and, you know, these guys talk and then – you know, you're set, you know, and then you're kind of on the path as long as you don't screw up, that, you know. <laughs> right, right. You know, right. but, but I, you I, work I like, You work like crazy for very little money for the first three to five years. I have a young friend who, I mean, I met him when he was probably 17 years old, 17, 18 years old. You know, he was trying mm-hmm. to decide if he could try to do the same thing. Do I walk on? He ended up accepting an academic scholarship to a school that didn't have a football program, which sort of hurt him, you know, in his heart, you know, he's like, oh, man, I really miss football. But he instead started a website uh, with mm-hmm. originally with two friends, his brother and one friend uh, called the34.com. And I remember saying, you know, that's pretty good. So I didn't know how old he was. I was like, you know, you're pretty good. And we started talking. He's like, he, he told me all he was like, God, you're a senior in high school? So um, I was super impressed. And I, I introduced him to some other people I know. He started working for a guy named Eric Galco who has a, uh, an independent scouting organization. And he was able to parlay yeah, yeah. some of the stuff he did with that. He's able to parlay some of the stuff he did with Eric into uh, eventually getting a job at the University of Houston, and now he's the number two guy 
in uh, recruiting. You know, he's the mm-hmm. assistant director of recruiting. He's 24, 25, you know, he's 24, wow. right? I mean, he did, yeah, it's a new world. I, yeah. I, I'm a little, little mad that I missed it, but whatever. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a, but, but my, I guess my thing is, I'll, I'll tell you one thing that I was really, um, my son, again, I, I go back to him because it was kind of interesting, but um, the players associate, well, was it the players? I guess it was the NFL. Um, he was good enough to be invited. They had this thing called the NFL Prep 100 where they basically went around to bigger states where, you know, kids are recruited heavily at. And so he got invited to this thing, and it was at the Houston Texans facility. And uh, one cool thing that I thought they did, a presentation to the kids, was, you know, other than the football aspect and and teaching them, you know, on how to behave yourself and stuff on social media, um, (laughs) was that they had NFL referees show up, you know, and and, uh, give a presentation on, hey, if you don't make it, you know, after football in college, you can be a referee. Now, I, I would have expanded it to include coaches and general managers. Yeah, and, and yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. You know, but but even them having, you know, that aspect, it gave a, an avenue to kids that, that – because um, they even talked about them that, uh, hey, well, you're finishing up – you know, these kids were like juniors in high school that they were saying, hey, you know, after your film study on Saturday mornings, after your game, you can go out and rep, you know, little, little kid – Pop Warner games for you know twenty five bucks a game, thirty bucks a game, and make some right. money on the side, and and you know, and then you learn another aspect of football, and so I just think there needs to be more of that for kids to know that hey, you know, um, you can stay in the game by doing right. other things other than playing, and and there and there's a career to be made doing that. Um, do you know uh, uh, Josh Buchanan? <laughs> oh, Josh B. Draft, yes. Josh Buchanan yeah. and I go back quite some time, yes. Okay. Well, well, Josh is a similar kind of guy because I remember, you know, when I first got in the business and some of the smaller school guys that I sent stuff to was because of stuff that Josh would do. Um, his stuff, now that he's signed bigger contracts, is not all over the place like he used to have. But, yep. um, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, and, and, and I don't agree with his take on everybody. We'll put it that way. Yeah, but, um, same here. Uh, <laughs> but um, I always remember maybe the second combine I went to, I uh, um, had lunch at Steak and Shake in Indianapolis with them or dinner or something. And and I I remember, and he probably doesn't remember me, but um, just I was like, I want to say he was still a junior at Appalachia State. And I was like, so you're the guy that I read all the information on? Who are you? You know? Exactly. And then he explained, he was like, well, I started evaluating. I didn't play in high school, and I just liked evaluating players in high school. And I just, you know, and now the guy, you know, works for uh, uh, the NFLPA game and, and uh, yep. whatever. But but it's just an avenue that I never even, I, I myself, like basketball-wise, you know, I look back and I say, you know, God, I would have loved to have been a coach, you know, and but I took a different <laughs> route, and right. here I am. But uh, I I don't know. It's it's one of the counseling that I do with my kids, though, too, is that I have the talk with them that, hey, this may not work out if you want to stay in the game. Think about grad school, you know, being a graduate assistant. You know, right. you another, and, and you in, a, another in a way, it has worked out. It's just worked out in a way that's a little different from the way it worked out for J.J. Watt. You know, but yes. it, it only works out for that guy. You know, that's a one in a million thing. 
but you're more like one in eight if you want to do these other things. You don't have to be one in a million to do these yeah. other things. You you know? Yeah, um, and you just you have can to develop those go, skills. Yeah, and the and and the way to develop is you just work harder than the next guy. I mean yep. sometimes you sometimes you can work harder than a JJ Watt, but he's just got more he just was born with more athletic ability than you, you know, or taller or whatever. I mean there's some stuff that you just can't I mean Every guy that I've represented works hard, you know, but for whatever right. reason, you know, whether it be the they just we just couldn't get the right guy to take a look at him or, or they just, you know, the team just for whatever reason doesn't like him, well, you could change that as a coach or as an evaluator by just busting your ass and working hard and going above and beyond with, you know, because it's not, how do I put it, it's not a, a – a physical trade or something right, you have right. to do. It's, it's, not, just... it's not something that had you had to be born with, you know? Yeah, there you go. Gruden wasn't there born with his ability to do what he does. I mean, I watched Mike Tomlin, his entire athletic career, or most of it at least, N- not by not intentionally. I was actually scouting his teammate, Darren Sharper, who has unfortunately gone to yeah. very different paths. But <laughs> so I'm scouting Darren yeah. Sharper, and I'm noticing this mouthy little slot receiver. It's like, man, this kid's. Runs his mouth a lot. <laughs> like, he's a mm-hmm. cocky little SOB. Um, not the most talented kid in the world. Uh, he had a good vertical for a short – he was a short receiver, you know, I guess 5'9-ish, five, 5'10, five, somewhere in that range. Uh, not terribly fast but fairly quick and fearless. He would go right wherever, you know, wherever the ball was, he'd go there to go get it. And he would run his mouth, you know. <laughs> it's like, wow, he's not that good. Like, he talks a great game, but I don't think he understands. He's pretty much average. But, man, he, would, he didn't talk like he was. He was – Yapping. I was like, man, mm-hmm. this is kid. So I look at, like, Mike Tomlin. Okay, well, file that name away in my memory bank. He's like, well, you know, he could, he could hang around Canada for a while. That was, my, that was my thoughts. I made some notes on him, and obviously I was there to watch Sharper, but I made some notes on, on Tomlin. Like, you know, like I said, good hands, courageous, you know, good vertical, can go up and snag a ball, even though he's not very tall. Not going to do much after the catch, though. Not going to run away from anybody. I, you know, I can't what else I wrote. Uh, pretty, pretty good route runner. You know, whatever, whatever my notes were. And I was like, like, I filed the name away, you know, thinking I might see him, like I said, CFL or whatever. And then, you know, I don't hear the name for a while. And then literally like three years later, it seems like, maybe three, maybe four at the most, I'm watching like a Kansas State game, and they're announcing that they have like the second youngest defensive coordinator in the nation, and it's Mike Tomlin. It's like, Mike mm-hmm. Tomlin, the wide receiver <laughs> for William and Mary? He's a D coordinator mm-hmm. and a D1 program at 20, 28, 29, whatever it was, somewhere in his 20s. And mm-hmm. then, you know, I, I kind of falls off the radar. And then two years later, he's in Tampa Bay, and he's a DB's coach. I was like, good Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, more more guys need to realize that there's other routes to take. And... Um, so... Some of these guys, it happens really, really quickly, I guess. <laughs> but now, that's, these guys are the exception. They're not the rule. I mean, Rhett Lashley and these other guys who are – I mean, since they were playing yesterday, Brian Johnson, you know, the Utah offensive coordinator, it, it seems like he was playing yesterday, you know. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. He's like two quarterbacks ago at Utah, <laughs> you know. I mean, I think he graduated in 2010. I mean, like, this guy is basically the same age as Tim Tebow. He's an offensive coordinator at – same same graduation year, I think, as Tim Tebow. He's a offensive coordinator at at a big big time school. 
Uh, yeah. So some of these guys, it happens very quickly, but those guys are the exception. Most guys have to grind it out. You're a GA for a couple of years, and then you go coach high school for a couple of years, and then one of the guys you played with or coached with calls you and says, hey, our special teams coach just took a job at blah, blah, blah. He's like to come to Minot State or wherever it is, you know, mm-hmm. and you pack up all your crap and you drive across the country and you work for thirty. $4,000 a year like a crazy person and you know and then somebody somewhere else quits and you do quality control at a bigger school and it's a little bit more money uh, but it's tenuous because the coaching staff you know they went five and seven last year and they're coaching for their lives this year and you know so mm-hmm. it's you know it's, it's, it's not an easy way either but it, it, it isn't dependent upon speed and strength you can do it for the rest of your life, at least until your brain goes. And, yeah, uh, yeah. And, <laughs> and obviously, and obviously, it's a it's a tough life. Whether you're going into scouting or coaching, it's, you're working sixteen, seventeen hours a day. You right. know, um, so you, you don't have. And like you said, I mean, uh, coach, even in high school coaching, I mean, you're gonna you're gonna move a lot. Uh, I yes. mean, rare yeah. rare is the guy that sits somewhere for twenty years. So. You're going to have well, to have to find the right spouse that's willing to hang with you. Willing to hang with you as you travel from Tennessee to California to East Texas to Maine yeah. to, you know, and wherever it is that you have to go. But here's and, the and thing. That's, and that's why I, oh, go, go ahead. I was just saying, you're missing the 20, 25, 30 years. That, I mean, once again, you and I are old enough to remember when that was, it wasn't common ever, but it was, it used to happen. I don't think there's going to be any more Joe Paternos or Bobby Bowdens or, or, or Frank Beamers. I don't think that's going to happen anymore. I don't – is there anyone you can identify who's out there coaching now who's going to be in the same job for 20 years? I can't think of a single guy. No. I can't think because, of one. I mean, it's, it's so <laughs> – I mean, it's uh, – yeah, it's well, first off, guys want to move up. But then second off, just because of the money that's that's being handed out for for, you know – First for college, and then and then pro. I mean, college and pro is basically the same thing now. Where you know you you got to win now. <laughs> the money, the money is basically the same. It used to be yeah. that pro coach, and now it's really actually depending upon where you are, you can make more at the collegiate level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, in pro, well, and also, I don't know. I I actually would say that one of probably the, the maybe if you wanted to talk about someone staying long and. You would have to find someone that wanted to stay at a mid-major college and build a program <laughs> and just stay there, because then you could you could do that successfully. But if you're going to be at a major college program or an NFL, I can't see no, you know. No. A, a, <laughs> I mean, I think Tomlin and Lewis probably will stick around the longest, um, just because right. that's how the Steelers weigh and that's how the Bengals. Right. You know, the Bengals are doing enough that you know, hey, we can keep this guy. <laughs> um, and that's sort of the but, Bengals. Modisop Rodai also, if they get a guy who's pretty successful and he's one of the lower-paid coaches in the league, which Marvin Lewis also is, um, mm-hmm. the Bengals don't do anything on a big budget, as you know. So he'll either have to stink it up or decide to take another job. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's the only way he leaves. He has to either simply get bad, you know, or or take another offer. So, yeah, right. And now. I want to say is. is, is Marvin in his sixties, or uh, he's in his sixties. He, he and Tower are the same age. They played. In fact, they played league oh, okay. football together. They played. Uh, 
uh, uh, Pop Warner uh, in the same town, Abing, is it Abington, whatever town it is, right outside of Pittsburgh. Okay. Western okay, PA so, kid, yeah. So, uh, so he's in his late 50s. Okay, so I, I was just trying to think, because he, he's probably doesn't want to uproot and leave. He's probably been there long enough, you know, that he's got roots, you know, in the Cincinnati area. Okay. I, I'm just thinking if he'd want to want to yeah. leave. Um, it would, it would yeah. take the right opportunity. I mean, he wants to win a Super Bowl, and he knows that his current organization, I mean, they like to win a Super Bowl, but it's not like with Jerry Jones where he'll move. No. Let's be honest. Mike Brown's not going to move heaven and earth to win a Super Bowl. If it happens, he'd be thrilled, but he's not. You know, it's not life or death. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't see guys staying there twenty years. I mean, uh, I mean, I'm even looking at like University of Texas with Charlie Strong. I mean, he's on I, the I'm not, yeah, I'm not, a, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a UT fan, so I don't, you know, I'm, I actually root for the Sooners, but uh, um, you know, and, and if Charlie was smart, um which he is smart. Let me get that straight. But yes. I would go with the freshman quarterback um, just because it at least gives you the argument that, hey, we got a freshman quarterback. we got something to build <laughs> on if they go, you know, six to four. You know, um, let's not upset the, the apple cart here. Um, but yeah, well, plus, the, plus, the mean, fact is that anything less than nine victories, and he is in danger. He needs – he needs a, I mean, eight and four is a push. You know, he might survive. Nine and three is probably what it takes to basically save his job. And if they, you know, seven and six, he's done. Anything less, he's done. He, I mean, even eight doesn't guarantee his, his survival. Is it fair? No, it's not. He changed the culture. I mean, I hate to put it this way, but that program was soft-ish. I think would be a good way to put it. He ran off about twenty-two scholarship athletes that weren't buying in to doing it his way mm-hmm. and they haven't fully recovered from that. And yeah. people, you know, people have to either be patient, which, you know, they probably won't be, or they'll end up having to start over again and pay, you know, a giant buyout. <laughs> Cause Charlie signed a pretty good sized deal when he came in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, 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 and uh, unfortunately for him, I mean, I think Mac at the end had lost focus, you know, I mean, because they, they talk about, oh, they're recruiting. They were still having top five recruiting classes. You know, it's it's uh, it, it was the uh, prisoners running the prison. I hate to say that like that. Sure. But, but I mean, true. It, it, I remember, well, and, and, and when I'm saying that, I'm not just talking about players. I'm talking about the boosters, <laughs> you know. Yes, um, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um because I remember one kid telling me that, um, you know, and I, it, it may still happen, but he was telling me that uh, certain boosters, you know, for certain practices, flying in on their helicopters to watch practice and talk with Matt. Yeah. You know, and, <laughs> no, that's not – they don't have that kind of relationship with Charlie Strong, which is yeah. one of the reasons why he needs to win. <laughs> um, yeah. As I mentioned before, he's – I mean, I, once again, I hate to bring race into it, but – one of the reasons they don't have the same sort of relationship is Mac was a good old boy. I mean, not a good old boy in the sense of being anything bad, but he was easy for them to relate to. Even though he's not from Texas, he's yeah. a, he is a Southerner, and yeah. he's a, you know, right. He was easy for – they felt close to him. And he yes. helped them to feel close. He didn't fight that, you know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And, and I want to say – He got too close. 
Yeah, yeah, and he let them run things, and and uh, um, you know, I I, I mean, uh, I'll tell you how far they've fallen though. Is that I was at their agent day this summer, and I want to tell you that maybe four agents were there. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, that's how. But but in saying that, so you're saying that North Dakota State University has now. Moved beyond Texas in terms of the number of agents that show up. That's because that's that's that is a that is a lower number than North Dakota State has. Well, of course, Carson Wentz, I guess, threw things a little, you know, higher than normal. But wow, that's yeah, dramatic. it was it was uh, it was pretty. Um, but you, but you look at the kids, like the kids that I met with, a couple of them were Army All American kids. They just haven't, and, and actually, one of the kids. Um, Kent Perkins, he's an offensive lineman. He's a three-year starter. And like I told him, I said, you know, what kind of hurts you is you guys have been bad. You know, I mean, that's just how some of it goes. You know, uh, you're a three-year starter. If you're a three-year starter at Alabama, your ranking would be a little bit higher, (laughs) you know. Um, um, But uh, he also – there's been games he hasn't played, you know, uh, top. And I I also met with uh, Tyrone Swoops. you know, it was a kid that probably was overrated coming out of coming out of high school. He played at a, you know, Texas has six. You know, at the time he came out, it was five A, so he played at a two A school, which is just one above. You know, the smallest school you could play at, standing at six five two forty. I mean, of course he's going to dominate. <laughs> you know, um, but and um, but you just said an important thing. You said that Texas had a lot of great recruiting classes still, but let's be honest, a lot of those kids were overrated. A lot yes. of those kids. Hassan Ridgeway, Tyrone Swoops, uh, there's some guys I'm, I'm forgetting. Those guys were five stars who probably should have been three stars, quite frankly. Yeah. Uh, when you saw them, when they got to college football and they were playing against other college guys, they didn't look like five stars. They looked like four stars. They looked like three, some of them looked like two and a half. You yeah. know, they were just overmatched. They weren't that good anymore. Uh, Which actually tells me that the UT staff at the time of uh, Max's end of his career – was probably they probably weren't even looking at film and so they were just using the you know the recruiting agencies and going off of what they were saying you know where you know schools got to do their own recruiting you know and scouting to, to actually look at film and say hey can this kid you know what can this kid do I mean uh, I'll tell you one interesting thing that I got away with meeting with Tyrone and his family was um, you know I, I kind of told them well first off I told them I usually don't recruit quarterbacks. Um, and then I said, you know, more than likely Tyrone would probably be a tight yeah. end. I mean, he is, a, right. yeah. Yeah, yeah. he is a he is a good athlete, you know. He, he runs, yeah. he is fast, you know. He's a very but, good athlete. Yeah. But uh, then I also said to him, I said, but, you know, if he wins the quarterback job and he has an unbelievable year, hey, there may be a team that wants to make quarterback. So then we got to start talking about, uh, what what you know you would do after training? So I said, well, if it ends up being quarterback, then we would you know get you with a quarterback coach. And then I just side note said, who's your current who's the current guy you work with? And they and Dad and him said, oh, we've never had a quarterback coach, which blew my wow. mind because this this day and age, yeah, this day and age, that's a shock. <laughs> every kid every kid has a coach that they work with <laughs> on the side, and that right. kind of led me to show. Okay, I see what happened. This kid was at a small school and could dominate, you know, just because of his size and speed and arm. 
and just never had anyone work with him, you know, right. and no one ever told him he needed someone to work with him. And then he goes to a major college, and they expected him to be the next Vince Young, and he just doesn't have the tools, you know. I mean, I mean, because I have a I have a younger one that I have him work with a quarterback coach a little bit. He wants to play quarterback. Yeah, the world has changed. Yeah, the world and he has goes, changed. They go over. They go over and sit there on a chalkboard and go over. You know, not a chalkboard, but a, um, a drive board and. <laughs> and go over, you know, hey, if the defense is lined up like this, what, you know. Right. And, Nickel, and he's only, right, right. He's only a freshman. Like <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's, like the world, that's how the world has changed, right. I mean, if if that kid had grown up in Orange County, California, you know, you know that he would have been 12, 13 working with a, with a coach, right, exactly, with a private quarterback coach. He wouldn't have been a guy who's 21, 22 saying, nope, <laughs> you know, never done that. No idea what mm-hmm. you're talking about. No idea. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It was, it just kind of blew my mind because I remember reading a stat where every, I want to say every kid that was drafted a quarterback this year, they said yep. the one constant is they all had a quarterback coach from the time they were in middle school, you know, that yes. they were working with. And, and this that's is not, the first you know, time, right. And this is the first time that it ever happened. This is the first year that every single one of them. Mm-hmm. Because if mm-hmm. you first started to see it around Tom Brady's group, uh, mm-hmm. the early guys who first were working with, you know, guys like Bob Johnson or Steve Clarkson or, you know, some of the, the first group of guys, you started to first see – and once again, it was all California kids initially. Texas mm-hmm. kids didn't do that back in the 90s, stuff like that. But yeah. now it's everywhere. You know, oh yeah, because well, you, you, you got disciples of all these coaches too. You know, oh, I, I worked under you know Clarkson or whatever. And now they're yep. somewhere in San Antonio doing it. I mean, there's a guy like I said, uh, my son actually, uh, I have him go work with two guys. One guy is a uh, 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 played at Nickel State, but um, then was a is a camp counselor at the Manning camp. So then he brings what he does here. And all the uh, all the uh, San Antonio kids and shoot, they got like Tommy Armstrong and um, you know there's a couple kids now coming out of high school that are pretty good. They work with him, but I also have my my son go down and work with uh, um, Ty Detmer's dad, Sonny. Um, oh, just yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because uh, my son, this one that wants to play quarterback, is a little bit smaller, and I figured, well, he's worked with two kids who were pretty small that ended up being okay in college. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Okay. Good point. <laughs> you know, so uh, so you know, uh, and and you know, like I said, I'm not taking them, you know, five days a week, but um, you know, you go and you learn what you need to do, and then you take it to the field and practice on it, you know, and right. then you come back and work. But when he told me that, that kind of led me to be see that okay, I like came on like a ha. <laughs> yeah, and, and the reason why um, that freshman kid, the Burline kid. I mean, shoot, first off, his Michelle. dad probate. Yes, uh, Michelle, right. yeah, Michelle, sorry, yeah. Michelle's been seeing I mean, a, a private coach fly since he was, yeah, 12, 13. Yeah. Oh, maybe even. <laughs> yeah, and then and then his dad has been a pro athlete, you know, so he's seen what the mindset is. And, um, you know, it, it rubs off on the kid, you know. And, and someone told me the kid's only like 5'9 or something like that. And well, I was like, no, that's not true. He's, he's, he's not quite six feet tall, but, yeah, he's like 5'11 and change probably. Okay. Okay. Well, unless they thought you know he's younger, you know. Yeah. No. No. They're telling me. They're telling me now. They're telling me now. But uh, I was he's like, you know, he's not that From everything I've heard, I mean, the kid is the kid's legit. You know, um, you know, running quarter quarterback, and and uh, that's why I said if Charlie goes with him, and you know, 
I think the kid's going to do, you know, he's going to be a freshman, so he's going to make mistakes, but I think he's going to be better than what they've had the last four or five years. He will be better than what they've had. That's that, now, it, it may not be day one, but sooner rather than later, they will be better at that position. That is correct. Yeah. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna actually have to let you run. It's actually my anniversary yes. today, and, and the wife oh. got home. So, uh, <laughs> well, before before you do go, if there should be a student athlete or or a parent or whoever it is who wants to uh, speak to you, or you know, obviously within you know the allowable regulations and all things we talked about, uh, how would people contact you? Is there a, do you does your business have a name? Is it just you, or how how does that work? Yeah, yeah. Uh, actually. Um, well, first of all, I'll say that the way the regulations work, and you can put this out to any student athlete and parent because the schools like to mislead these kids, um, is that the kids can actually uh, contact any agent they want on their own. So um, if a family, you know, decided right now that, hey, we need to start, um, you know, kind of just investigating different people, uh, they can get the numbers and 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 then make contact either by email or or phone different agents and and uh, one way to do that obviously is go to the NFL Players Association site and there's an agent search. If you just type in NFLPA agent search, it'll pop up on Google, and you just click on it and 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 they, it will list them by state, list us by states or whatnot. But but for me, um, I, I just work out, uh, like I said, I have a, a, a law office, so it's just kind of me. And um, and they can either reach me by uh, uh, email. Uh, I'll give I'll give my Gmail account. Um, it's it's daniel.j.mcneil, and it's spelled M-A-C-N-E-I-L. And then it's at gmail.com. Um, or or if they want on, on, on uh, Twitter... I mean, you can always get me on Twitter and find me on there. It's just at Daniel McNeil. Um, uh, I guess I could give my phone number out, too. It would be 210-573-1556. Well, first of all, let me say it has been always a pleasure. Uh, you are super honest, uh, as, as I'm sure you've been told many times. Uh, you have an amazing story, and I think that things are beginning if indeed the agencies like yours are allowed to survive, if they're allowed to survive, and I hope they will be, I think you will actually see a changing in the way that young people think about how to go about doing this. I think if they get more educated about it, and which I think they are now more than they were in the past, not as much as they need to be, but much more than they were in the I think there was a lot of naivete around the agency process until really just fairly recently. And I think now more young people and their families are beginning to realize they need to be more educated about it. So I'm hoping uh, that as that happens, you'll see more and more people making better decisions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I, I hope so. I mean, and really, the kids just need to go with with someone you know that they feel comfortable with. Um, you know, they, they they don't need to be caught up with how many how many uh, clients that someone has. I mean, especially when they're, they're first coming out, because as, as I'm sure you know, a lot of guys end up, you know, going with, say, a big agency when they first come out, and then, you know, three years in, they realize, hey, I'm just a number. Yep. Um, and I don't want to be that. Now, some guys don't mind. They just, they don't care, and they just stay with them. But other guys, a lot of guys just up and leave, and then they're looking for somebody else um, just because, uh 
with me, I, I, I like to tell guys that you you become part of my family. Um, you know, matter of fact, um, my nine-year-old uh, yesterday, I want to say, is like, hey, you know, uh, Brian, look, he's on the Madden game. I'm playing him on my phone. Uh, okay. <laughs> you know, so they take interest in, uh, you know, I, I, I make sure that all my clients meet my wife, and, and I tell them, I, I I bring my kids, you know, I want guys that my kids can look up to, too, but um, at the same time, I want clients that, that feel like, hey, um, you know, at the end of the day, what I end with always telling them is that if you get married, my goal is to be invited to your wedding because, you know, you limit the people that you bring, you know, you don't want to invite everybody, so you, you bring those invite those most important people and and uh I want them to know that I want that kind of relationship that uh you know um if things are down or things you know you need someone to talk to that you can give me a call and we can talk about non football stuff um you know uh, uh but uh I'm sorry, my wife asked me a question here, but um <laughs> you know it, it it it's 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 uh it is uh it's uh, important that they know that, that that someone's in their corner and and uh, they're always going to get me and not not somebody else from you know a bigger firm and and to each his own. Like I said, some people some people want that. You know, they feel more comfortable with you know a, a firm that has the financial people and has their own marketing and has you know a, a zillion secretaries. You know, it's just me and uh, and. Uh, <laughs> And what what we do for them, if they want, you know, financial people, we'll we'll help them guide them through, you know, different people that we have. Or, or I I like to tell them, hey, you know, if, if a family friend um, has a recommendation, give me their name, and and we'll do a background check on them, and make sure, you know, it's not, you know, some sleaze ball, <laughs> you know, that's going <laughs> to guide them wrong. But but uh, if if they can get uh, someone else recommended, you know, that's what we always advise them on. But but yeah, it's. Uh, I appreciate you, the time you've given me, and and um, you know, any any time you you want to talk, you know, let me know. Well, as I said, uh, I knew, I didn't know it was your anniversary, so I will let you deal oh, with your no, most no, important fine. your most important uh, obligation that you have today, because you need to put a smile on that woman's face, because that's the most important thing you'll do today. But yeah. it was indeed a pleasure. It was indeed a privilege, and you certainly are counted amongst the friends of the show here. at uh, Consistent Draft Services, Pro Prospect Radio Show. We will definitely be speaking again in the future. I will let you return to your husbandly duties. As always, it's a pleasure. And once again, you know, uh, young men and families, if you are looking for someone, particularly if you are looking for someone who has a really great perspective of how challenging it can be to come from a school that's not on television all the time, a school that's not in the Power Five, that maybe may not even be in the FBS, you might want to consider going with someone who's been down that path many times as opposed to, you know, whoever it is that just happens to have the flashiest presentation or the nicest suit or the, you know, largest number of clients in the NFL. You may want to go with somebody who actually understands the path that you're going to be going uh, traveling. But, yes, uh, once again, Dan McNeil, uh, contract advisor, attorney, veteran of the United States Army as well, and once again, I thank you for your service. I thank you for your time. I thank you for your attention. And have a wonderful day with your lovely bride. Thank you, Bill. I appreciate it. Take care. Thank you. So that was Dan McNeil, a person who will be with us again at some point in the future, probably after the season. 
Uh, he has a lot going on, and like I said, I hope he has a wonderful, uh, a wonderful day with his uh, his wife on their anniversary. And we're just going to touch on a few other players that I like more than most people tend to like them. Uh, Nate Gary is probably not going to test super super well, though I'm, I'm kind of rooting for him to do so. But he's he's my kind of of safety. Uh, good size, probably about six one, about two hundred nine pounds. Like I say, he's not going to test freakishly. He's probably going to be a 33 and a half, 34, maybe even 35-inch vertical guy. Probably runs in the high 4.5s, the low 4.6s. And, you know, he probably will test reasonably well. Uh, probably will test reasonably well. But I just, you know, I get a distinct impression that he's not going to have, you know, a freak show kind of performance. But I do think he's a better free safety than all that maybe six or seven, maybe eight or, yeah, he's about a top ten guy. And he could potentially climb higher. He had 79 tackles, four interceptions, and he did a bunch of other smart, important things, including getting other guys lined up in the back half of the defense. So that's someone that I, I find interesting. And if they're a better pass defense this year than they were last year, a lot of that, in my mind, will probably be attributable to what he does. A few other guys to touch upon. Obviously, I've said it before, i said it again, Desmond King's my number one corner, and I'm not alone in that. I know there's a fair number of people who really, really like him. I think there's not much he can't do, quite frankly. Uh, good size, tough, strong, probably not super fast, but, you know, he's very similar, not as fast, but very similar otherwise to Darrell Rebus. He's like a slower Darrell Rebus, which is fine as long as you don't need him to just run step for step with people all day long. A few other guys to hit upon. Uh, Matthew Harris at Northwestern is, I think, one of the more underrated corners in the country. Probably because of the Northwestern thing. They have a lot of underrated players on their team. I'm just going to roll through some of the guys who are at – I mean, Anthony Walker is one of my favorite linebackers. Unlikely to declare this year. They have a very slept-on running back in Justin Jackson, who is a lot like Keith Gaskins out at uh, Washington, in that he runs with a lot of power for a guy that's barely 190 pounds. It reminds me a little bit of uh, Lydell Mitchell, for those who are old enough to remember Lydell Mitchell, Penn State product who had a nice year, a nice career with the uh, Colts back in the day. But Matthew Harris, I think, is a really good corner. And I think as people you know, wake up to him, watch him play more, I mean, it, like many others, I sort of found him while watching Nick Van House, uh, Van House last year. And, you know, Matthew Harris is a guy with 27 starts. He's He's got plenty of tape. I'm not quite sure why it is people haven't really, like I said, noticed him. I noticed him originally trying to watch the other corner, and then I kept noticing. It's sort of like when I was trying to originally watch Jonathan Banks, and I ended up falling in love with Darius Slay. A similar situation there. Let's see. A few other guys worthy of note. Uh, I mentioned that Lamar has a guy I really, really like, and Lamar has a few guys I really like, but I'll just hit upon the, you know, the ones that I'm sort of focusing on 
D-Day. Since I'm going to sort of talk D-backs a little bit, those are the climbers I'm focused on. So Brendan Langley is one of those looks-the-part guys, and he's a transfer from Georgia, so that helps him. He's six feet and a quarter. He's 193 pounds, probably about a 447, you know, if you're asking me sort of gun to my head, which at his size is a good time. He'll need to, you know, put up numbers, obviously. That's what you need to see from a guy playing. It's a good conference. I mean, he's playing FCS, but he's playing at a good conference. He's playing at Lamar, and Lamar's in the uh, Southland. So he'll get plenty of chances to defend passes because that is a passing league. They are basically the, you know, the AAA version of the uh, of the Big 12 in a lot of ways. And so that's a guy I would sort of warn people to keep an eye on. I'll throw out one other uh, small school DB to to those who haven't already checked him out. This guy's a Richard Jr., so he's probably not declaring this year. But Tariq Ellis at Mercyhurst, I think he's probably right now the uh, the best, maybe the best prospect on the entire roster. He transferred in from Alveston Broadus in 2013. That's been two years there. And then he sat uh, 2014, played as a redshirt sophomore last year, had a very good year, and then you know is now a redshirt junior. Um, about five ten and a half, about 186 pounds, and has once again enough of everything that I think he he has a chance. Um, hopefully he'll run well when he gets a chance, but probably not going to declare this year. So that brings us to the end for this particular Business Draft Services Pro Prospect Radio Show. We will return again in one week. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 